It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. And so no fail is just kind of bringing it back to like, hey man, what were you taught when you learned how to ride a bike? Having a flyer go off somewhere else is almost as serious as a little shot going on. I think because I mean the original weapon lights that we issued were like what, 60 women or something like yep. that? Yeah. Hey, Matt Lancer here with Primary and Secondary. Welcome to Modcast. Today is October 28th, 2021. The episode number is 277. We're going to be discussing defining your mission. So what that means is when you're carrying a gun, when you're going off, doing your daily whatever, going to work, going on vacation, going to the store, going to school, how to figure out what is appropriate for what you're going to do. What are appropriate options? How to go about figuring out what, what should, in most cases, work. Um, like establishing those mission parameters. Uh, big thing is to differentiate between possible and probable. Um, yeah, it's going to be a cool discussion. We have an awesome panel for it. That's kind of what we do here. Uh, before we start, big thank you to our sponsors. Big thank you to Big Tech's Ordnance. Basically, Big Tech's is one of those companies that has pretty much everything you've ever wanted for, for like gun stuff, whether it be palm pepper spray, which we're going to probably be talking about today, to uh, effective handhelds, another thing we're going to be talking about, to firearms, gun parts, you name it. Um, it's just one of those companies that has everything. Pretty much it. And I say this every time. Um, anytime I'm placing an order with them, I need to go through every category and make sure that I'm not missing something because they have more stuff that I still need to buy. And typically I have my basket ready and I'm about to hit checkout and I realize I better go and look. And sure enough, I'll find some more things, whether it be cat crap, because who not everyone remembers or keeps a stockpile of cat crap um, to, I, I guess, uh, lens cloths get those free on occasion from big techs. Um, also big thank you to Filster holsters. So one of my coworkers was talking to me about holsters and he was looking for some means of carrying concealed. And I brought up the pro series. So the pro series is pretty much a no frills concealment holster. Um, specifically, we were talking about one for a Glock 40, 48. So I explained, this is how it works. This is, this is, these are all the features of it. Um, the order was placed. It showed up a couple days later. 
when we had it in hand, I explained all the features, everything clicked for him. It all made sense for him. Um, Filster is one of those companies that I have absolutely no qualms with recommending right off the bat. Um, there are a few good, really, really good companies like that. Um, fortunately, we have uh, association with Filster. The people behind the scenes with Filster are just wonderful people. They live this life. Um, not only are they very active in gun rights, they're also active in education as far as effective concealment. Um, a wonderful YouTube channel that provides a lot of really good content um, and just good people. Um, also, big thank you to Primary Arms. Primary Arms government now offers the comprehensive agency trade-in program so professional teams can get the most from their used or obsolete equipment. Working with GTI's asset trading program, Primary Arms government can provide you top dollar on any agency asset. From service weapons to uniforms, tools and vehicles, their agency trade-in program is the best way to grow your agency's budget and upgrade with America's leading tactical brands. For more information, please visit www.primaryarms.com government. There is a dot between the www and primary arms. Um, again, and I say this all the time, Primary Arms also is one of those companies, they have so much to offer to include optics even, which I have several behind me, um, but also that, uh, that uh, the option to trade in stuff as someone who has purchased things for agencies, who's had to plan out um, agency direction, whether we're going to, an, we're, we're all going to optics or we're changing up the uniform in some way, the, uh, the ability to trade stuff in where, you know what, if we wouldn't have, that option, we'd be throwing stuff away or we'd have bins of old useless equipment. And this is a means to get some of that investment back. Turn around and use it. Wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Um, also, a big thank you to Staccato. Um, so Staccato is one of those brands. They make 2011s. And for me, the idea of a 2011, 1911, it is 1911s, that's a classic. I can see that there's one right there one right there. Um, there are, there's also a bit of a stigma attached to them. But uh, for me personally, through my personal growth, um, a manual safety was kind of intimidating and it just took some hands-on. And we did this really cool video with uh, Carl at InRange and a bunch of friends. We all got together. I think it was in 2000, I don't know, in 2017, maybe 18. I don't remember. Maybe it was 19. Uh, and we did this pistol shoot-off thing. And I had a... STI, which is now Staccato, which did really, really well in that trial. Wonderful shooting pistol. And that got me really thinking about, you know, 2011s are pretty darn cool. I even carry it. I carry a Staccato P-Series. That's a great gun. I have uh, three other guns and they're one of those guns that when I go shooting with friends, I make sure I have several guns and friends. Um, and I let them try them out and see for themselves. And the smiles people have after they shoot them that's, that's awesome. So yeah, staccato, great guns. Speaking of great guns, Walther, um, years ago, a couple friends told me that I need to look out for the PPQ and I didn't know anything about it. I know that they were fans, but they kind of said, yeah, check them out. They're really good. Uh, great for duty guns. Okay. Turns out they also had an awesome trigger. For me, the, the size of the grip was a, more important also because Glock 19s, which were the thing, they're a little too short for me. And so I, I tried out the PBQ and it fit my hand perfect. 
And from there, I, and I shot him and I went, yes, I like this. I like this very much. Striker fired polymer gun. Yeah, PPQ, that is solid. Then they came out with the PDPs. I have several PDPs behind me and I got to try them out and I liked them even more. I found that the trigger is even better. Uh, optic ready, which right now everything's going optics. Good capacity. They also have good configurations, whether you want a larger grip, shorter slide, short slide, short, short grip, long slide, long grip. And let's see here, then the long slide, short grip. Did I not say that one yet? Basically, they have all of this available. Great guns, great guns. If you haven't had an opportunity to try one, I highly recommend it. Um, unfortunately, it's one of those brands that it's not really on people, everyone's radar. There are other brands that are for some reason. Um, but if you get an opportunity, if you're in the market for a new striker fired gun, check out a PDP. I think you'll be impressed. I think you'll, I think you'll like it. And it's, that's, uh, I have several that I'm able to loan out to friends anytime they want to go shoot where they're looking for a gun. Uh, I can think of uh, one friend right off the bat. I loaned out one for him and he absolutely loved it and had to get one. So there. Uh, also, big thank you. Lastly, big thank you to our Patreon subscribers. If you go to patreon.com slash primary and secondary, you can help support the network. We have now two podcasts that we're running, two weekly. Um, we have the training summit coming up. I want to say May 20th to 23rd, with the 20th being kind of a registration open day. Uh, also gives you an opportunity to sign in your stuff. We have a slightly different cast of instructors for this upcoming summit which we're going to be able to delve into slightly different topics, which is going to be nice just to, to change it up a little bit. Um, wonderful opportunity to not only network, but to have a good idea of what the instructors are about and the material that they provide. Basically, this event is for you. It's also for the instructors. If you wind up attending any of these guys, you, you attend um, one of the courses with Cecil Birch. And you determine, you know what? I really like what this guy has to say. I need to, I need to follow him much more closely. You, follow, you take something from Haggard and you realize, hey, I need to host this guy. Uh, it's basically a buffet of training. And it's a really unique opportunity. Um, it's, it is hard work. The, the event, and I'm not talking about behind the scenes. I'm just talking about if you, if you really wanted to, the days start at 8 in the morning and they end sometime in the a.m., like two to 3 a.m., depending on the courses you go to. It's so rewarding, though, to be able to go to something like this and really get a wide amount of information on different topics and also interact with different instructors, get a better idea of how these guys, how they vary, but also how they are the same. And they're all just absolutely, not only the instructors, but uh, the people participating, just a wonderful, wonderful group of people. So I think that's it. I think it's time to start the podcast. So who else is coming? Hey. Cecil and uh, Chuck? Yes. Awesome. And the mission. <laughs> hey, that's... Uh, I'm actually rocking my uh, LCR on right now. Okay, well, this is the 44 because that's the Gucci one, but yeah, the... Uh, yeah, the 327 LCR is the... <laughs> that's actually, yeah, I've got the 327 as well. Yeah, it's the, the house gun. <laughs> My, my dad, my dad the other day was, uh, we were just standing there talking and he, he said something about pocket carry. So I pulled out my <laughs> sweatpants, sweatpants gun to show yeah. 
He was like, what, you just wear a gun in your sweatpants at your house? Like, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Yep. The, uh, you know, I have got, I have decided that 327 LCR for me, I've got a pair of them now and they're the, uh, they're my disposable Glock revolvers. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, I remember Pat Rogers basically asking when people gave him a hard time about carrying it home. Okay. Where do home invasions happen? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you when we went up to the Larry Mudgett class, I mean, he browbeat us in class. Everybody was humiliated because it's pretty much if, you know, your whole life is supposed to be around protecting you and your family. Where, where are you and your family? <laughs> you know, it's like, if you're not carrying it home, you're just wrong. And it kind of like, you know, you're probably right. They didn't like it. My place, you know, they didn't like there's 4 billion guns around, but um, you know, the LCR means I can carry in basketball shorts. Yep. And, and that's the important thing. So this is part of also defining your mission. Huh. This is the reasoning behind why we do what we do. There's that. Yeah. And so <laughs> I don't need to be carrying any of this on me when I'm home. <laughs> well, I've been to your home. You don't there. That's the idea is when you live in homes and places. And, you know, that's you know my thing is we're so comfortable here. I got a 10 foot wall around the place and, you know, guard gated community and the whole thing, but you get a little, you know, like, I don't know that we've ever had the only time anybody's kicked a door down here was the uh, PD SWAT team doing up some lady for some horrendous fraud thing, you know, and that was it, but you're still, it's still a good idea. So Casey UPS man freaks out or something. (laughs) Yep. while they're here but anyhow so we have a cecil that we're just waiting on yeah because we rearranged it completely for cecil so this is just typical it's also it's also so chuck how did you phrase it so you wouldn't whine do what oh it was it so you wouldn't <laughs> whine yeah, I was being pretty whiny earlier. You know, if I, if I had to work your schedule, we yeah. could have started an hour ago. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> if I had to work your schedule, I would feel the exact same way. Well, it's hard being a fireman. That's right. All you, all you probably, can do is sleep. He's probably been sitting in the recliner eating chili and cornbread. So it's hard. I know. With or without beans, though, that's the question. <laughs> It better be without beans. <laughs> I used to be a big fan of chili with beans, but as I get older, they don't agree with me anymore. <laughs> no, God, no. That's yeah. I went to Tex-Mex today with a guy who was the uh, marshal of the city we live in, and uh, you know, I ordered my my Tex-Mex with rice only, no beans. You know, it's like it's not that I don't like beans; beans don't like me anymore. You know. I'm trying to stay happily. I'm trying to stay happily married. <laughs> that's so. right. And <laughs> that sounds delicious. Yeah, but oh yeah, and uh, yeah, brisket street tacos. And it's, mm. a, it's a Texas. It's a Texas thing. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Yeah. Well, you know, because we do brisket with everything here. It's, you, get, you get burgers with brisket on it. You get tacos with briskets, burrito. doesn't matter. You get everything with brisket. So the local grocery store has brisket available on certain days, and I have not figured out which days. But it's in the little container. I'm like, it's a win. 
What's funny is our grocery store is bringing in some real high-end barbecue now, blacks, you know, where it's like, you know, brisket's 40 bucks, but mm. it's off. It's awfully good. But what I, what I, uh, you know, being the California guy in the wrong state, uh, or actually the right state and they, they ruined mine. Um, they actually got a couple of tri-tips in the other day at the grocery store. So I hoarded those and froze them almost like normal people put venison in the freezer. I'm putting California tri-tip in the freezer because it's hard to get here in Texas. That's such a California thing that, you know, it's mm. just, you know, the butchers look at you funny, like you got tri-tip and they're like, what, a, a what tip? <laughs> you know? I have no idea what that is. Hmm? I have no idea what that is. Fry tips like a California cut of meat on a, you know, I, I don't know what part of the cow it is, but it's really good. And uh, you marinate it and you know, grill it and you're bake. I don't know how you make this stuff, but it, it's absolutely delicious. It's kind of like, uh, you know, it's just a part of, it's kind of a California steak, mm. but it's, it's good. I have a coworker who does that kind of stuff on the side and it's nice to just figure out, you know what, let's have him make us dinner some night for yeah. the whole family. And then we have wonderful leftovers <laughs> for the next couple of yeah. days, but man, it is awesome to just send him a text and say, Hey, I'm thinking brisket next week. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, did really I did T-bones last night. They had a sale at the store. Oh, that sounds great. Got 75 bucks worth of T-bones for $42. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, okay, I'll splurge. The, uh, we had dinner last night, sandwiches today, and still have half of it. So, because I'll make tacos out of the rest. Nice. Good plan. Well, you know, it was funny. It was a family tradition of ours because we really kind of didn't do leftovers when I was a kid. You know, we always had a meat and potato and a veggie and stuff. My mom was an amazing cook, actually both my parents. But um, so we would have a taco bag. So my mom would put all the meat leftovers from dinner, from dinners into the taco bag. And when the taco bag got filled up, she'd, uh, you know, she was one of the first ones using Cuisinart. She used to teach cooking classes with them. So she'd grind all the meat up in a Cuisinart to make these tacos. So your tacos had, you know, you know ribeye, sirloins, pork, uh, chicken, you know, it, lamb, everything was in the taco bag. And it made the most amazing tacos you ever. I mean, our family had legendary tacos. So, you know, that's, so it's a tradition we've always continued. So I'll get, you know, I'll have, you know, we'll do tacos. There'll be, you know, pork ribeye, sirloins, uh, chicken, everything in there. And they're, they're amazing. Yeah. Ribeye tacos is something special. That's awesome. I just, mm -hmm. so I'm currently on graves and I just realized I haven't even eaten yet today and I'm hearing all this. Damn. Yeah. So yeah, in California, I had one of those big bowl barbecues. So I was legendary for making carne asada. Cause we had so many, uh, you know, the little carnicerias and, uh, you know, down I'd go, you know, I was working in the barrio. So I'd go down and, you know, have them make me up some gringo stuff. So I didn't have to, I mean, you just buy the stuff and it's already, you know, properly marinated and seasoned mm. and stuff. So I'm just, I just slam it on the, on the barbecue and, uh, cut it up. And everybody thought I had pretty legendary, you know, carne, which was, I said, I was just cooking it. Somebody else was doing most of the marinating. But that was a good thing about working the barrio. You know, <laughs> you knew which places to go get that kind of stuff. So next summit in May, 
we'll probably need to have a block with Daryl and cooking. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Yeah, my wife will tell you I do pretty good, in all honesty. Um, yeah, it isn't bad. I didn't get fat, you know, just eating other people's stuff. I got fat eating my stuff too. So, and, uh, yeah, I had yeah, good parenting on that. I just, I should have paid more attention to my parents though when I was growing up. Um, yeah, my mom was like, kind of like Julia Child. She was like, kind of, you know, your homemaker mom. And she just decides to go out. I'm going to get certified as a French chef and did. And she specialized in desserts. And then my dad is the king of poor food. You know, my dad makes you know, amazing you know, pot roast. And, you know, when my parents would even do stuff like spaghetti was amazing. Um, you know, but, you know, I missed out on all the good stuff. I had a kid I grew up with uh, or went to high school with. We both got to the like kind of rural high school together. I came from LA. He came from Chicago and I'd go to his house and I thought I died and went to heaven. His mom made meatloaf. Like meatloaf was banned in my house. We, oh. I had never, I, well, you know what it was? My dad was always in trouble when he was in the army. So he'd get KP and uh, was so disgusted by how the army did meatloaf that it was like banished from the house. And you know, this kid's mom made the best meatloaf. I mean, it was Midwest, you know, Illinois meatloaf. She'd make meatloaf, you know, tuna casseroles and you know, all this stuff I never had at my house. And then everybody wanted to come to my house because you get stuff like crepes and, you know, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, he tort moose thing that my mother would be you all know, these crazy things. Everybody wanted to come eat at my house and I wanted to go eat, you know, meatloaf and, you know, tuna casserole at somebody else's house. Cause we never had stuff like that. Well, that same grocery store that has the brisket also has a awesome meatloaf. 
and it's meatloaf, mashed potatoes, and like corn all in a container. It's wonderful. You know, my wife just zapped a deer last year on a hunt, and then we're still finishing that up. And one of the things we had done is there's a good processor here. Yeah, they do a venison meatloaf, and it's amazing. I mean, the way they spice it and everything, it's really, really good. So, yeah, they just come in these little tins of venison meatloaf and you know, just throw them in the oven, and they're absolutely fabulous. I got, I think, three of those left. I'm going to have to send that Melanie out on another, you know, animal killing spree That's here right. pretty soon. Honey, we're low on meatloaf. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, when it comes to killing Bambi, my wife's on board. She's a she's professionally. A, she's an excellent provider. She yes. really is. <laughs> but on a professional level, even, which is yeah, really you know, cool. Like I said, you know, I, I hunt people and mama does the the stuff that's actually really edible. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm but, really yeah. excited about the potential of her and Jamie, Amy, Jamie, Meyer. Jamie, Jamie, Meyer. Jamie, yeah, coming out for the summit. I think that that's going to be cool. Yeah, I need to I need to fine tune that, but man, that's yeah, yeah. Jamie's a, Jamie, Jamie's a really exceptional instructor for that kind of stuff, and then Melanie does such a good job with RSO and those things, and doing kind of the individual tutoring with the ladies. But Jamie's a really really good instructor. So, and she very much stays in her lane. I mean, the reality is she outshoots most of the guys at all these matches and doing the competitive stuff. But when it comes to teaching, she really likes sticking to, you know, these, you know, trying to get these women who've never been, you know, doing anything, you know, on board. And uh, so. I think just the, the, the sheer opportunity to provide Okay. How would I phrase this? That level of instruction, but it's, we're not talking advanced. We're not, we're talking a basic level, but comprehensive and, and helpful. It's, it's awesome. you know, I tell, I tell people that the problem with all of these, you know, basic instructors and particularly with the women is the best you really have to be uh, for diagnosing, you know, for an instructor, diagnosing what I'm doing wrong on the range is pretty easy because I do all the normal stuff you do wrong. You can sit there and read a B8 for me, and I'll tell you exactly what I did wrong. Trying to diagnose the mistakes that brand spanking new shooters, and particularly women, uh, just because you got to kind of it, – it's a different language almost on – you know, they're not sitting around. Yeah, you know, they haven't seen every Rambo movie. They don't sit around reading gun magazines and the gun culture and all that. So – it is particularly, it requires an exceptionally good advanced diagnostic instructor to teach properly. And the problem is most of them are getting somebody who's had two classes more than they have. Yeah. And it's all the, I'm just teaching uh, beginners. Well, you're like, like two classes above a beginner yourself. Yeah. When what really, what they should really be getting are really the higher level instructors yep. just on the ability to diagnose um, you know, some of the most complex diagnos diagnostic problems I faced have been dealing with people like that. And, uh, you know, it taxes, I've been doing this like 35 years and it taxes me, you know, on, on how to diagnose some of this stuff. So, yeah, we're not doing a lot of the people a real great service by giving them instructors that have had one class more than they have. So, yep. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. They're an NRA certified instructor. So therefore. 
It's true. It's true. As a matter of fact, uh, that's been one of the things we've been recently discussing. Matter of fact, on the instructor cheat code things, which believe it or not, all you guys are going to be on it eventually. Um, Focusing on what's making a good instructor. And it's been such a good, they've been such good discussions. And it's, there's a, a, there's definitely some commonalities among everyone. It's all greatness though. It's wonderful, wonderful insight from the, the, from the guests. I'll tell you, I am absolutely odd watching um, my wife and the other instructors she works with at shoot like a girl on what they do literally in five minutes with complete novices. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a level of expertise all to itself. That is truly amazing that it, you know, again, I very much respect that it, most people do not understand how difficult it is to do that properly. And, you know, a lot of people kind of poo poo it. And I'm like, yeah, I'll tell you what, that, that is some very, very difficult work all day where you're running, you know, you know, 50 to hundred ladies through there um, who have many have never touched a gun before. And you got basically five minutes yeah. to get them on, a, to get them on a pistol, a rifle and a live and live archery, you know, and it, it's truly astounding at the level that they can do that at um, it is pretty, pretty impressive that, you know, like I said, a lot of people are like, well, I'm an advanced, you know, whatever, dude, um, you know, the, uh, a lot of these guys, it's like, I wish I had your students, you know, it's like, well, I was an instructor at some tier one unit. It's like, God, I wish my students were like Olympic level athletes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, yep. and that's, that's why I think it's so important because as a matter of fact, we even have, there's someone listening right now that we kind of talked about it, Craig. Um, how nice would it be to take your, or come out to Logan, bring your spouse, but also have your spouse attend as well. Right. And like I said, then they, and it doesn't have to be an all day thing. Then they can go, you know, antique the they want. Yeah. Fun, but yeah, great places to eat and little stores and all sorts of cool stuff in Logan. So, you know, it's uh, yeah, I think it could be beneficial to everybody Then you know, and then the people who want to go train till three o'clock in the morning can go knock themselves out doing that Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. <laughs> and then also how many, I, I, I can think of all the officers that I know, all the cops in the area that, man, I, I, I wish I could get my wife to, to come out and train or whatever, because <laughs> we should not be the one training our spouse. We should. Absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely not. And here's our opportunity coming yeah. up in May. Yep. So. Actually, let's let's start with some intro stuff. So uh, my background is law enforcement. <laughs> Been doing gun stuff since I don't know. Um, everyday carry, obviously. Um Figuring out the mission has been a really interesting journey, um, especially as someone who pseudo consults on this, because to look at it, honestly, you need to look beyond yourself and your own bias, and you need to consider what other people's lives are, what their considerations are. And I can't just go and tell someone, no, you can't carry that revolver because it's dumb because that's not right. For some people, they might be able to carry certain things, uh, based on their lifestyle, their, their employment, that's not applicable to everyone. Not everyone can carry a firearm every day or everywhere they go. So that has been a very interesting and enlightening journey. Matter of fact, the guys here on the panel have been, have been wonderful guide tour guides on this journey. Um, and I, I think this is, it's, 
wonderful that everyone can, well, we're still waiting for Cecil. Uh, wonderful that we can get this specific panel on to discuss these, these aspects because it's a minefield because if all we're going to do is go to Facebook for our information, we're going to be misguided. And if, if that's our main source of information, that and meme pages, you know what? We're missing out on a lot of really good insights and a lot of good life-changing mindsets. Um, I'm excited about this discussion. I got messages and saw some other stuff from people saying that they are very interested in this topic because they've completely embraced this. Um, it's going to be a great discussion. I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Chris, how did you get into all of this? What's well, your background? So I was, uh, I currently work for a company called Citizens Fence Research. My partner is John Johnson, Melody Lauer. I travel the country teaching classes. I teach uh, uh, private lessons locally here in uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area of Texas, where I, I just recently retired. Prior to that, I'm the junior partner at Citizens Fence Research. Prior to that, I spent 20 years in the United States Army. I spent most of that time as a Special Forces non-commissioned officer, uh, Green Beret, and a Special Forces medical sergeant. Medicine was my uh, subspecialty, in addition to being a, just a general purpose SF guy. And in, in addition to that, too, something, you know, for, for the 20 years that I was in the military, not only was I a soldier, but I was also a, uh, you know, when I would hit the speed bump going off post, I turned into a private citizen, you know, concealed carrier. And so I would try to take the lessons I learned in my special operations career and translate them to be applicable in my life when I'm going to the grocery store with my kids and that kind of thing. And since I've retired, I've tried to, to continue that and pass that, that knowledge on to other folks because there's, it, it's pretty easy to, you know, I, I could put on a light coat of oil and a plate carrier and run tactical fantasy camps and probably, probably fill up classes, but I actually want to provide people with information that's going to apply to their day-to-day -day lives, which is why I'm excited about this topic. One of the reasons why I specifically also wanted you on is I already know you're providing awesome info, your background though. Oh, this is a special forces dude. Clearly he's going to be carrying a Roland special or a 2011 with a weapon light. And no, that's not necessarily the case. Yep. Sometimes, but not always. Exactly. <laughs> and so I think that's, there's a lot of value of people recognize and realize this. Awesome. Daryl. Uh, retired cop guy. I failed out of Santa school. So I'm doing this now. Um, the, uh, yeah, this has been a, a, a big deal to me, uh, probably in about the last um, 10 years, I've been headed down this road. And, you know, there's plenty of people uh, who are active doing the law enforcement, uh, you know, tactical cool guy SWAT thing and all that. So uh, being old now, I'm finding like a new place in the industry. So I try to do a lot of the historical stuff because um, I enjoy doing it. And the other big thing is... Uh, I'm embracing heavily, uh, particularly with my, what my wife does, uh, what I call, you know, I, I, to steal a phrase from Pat um, Rogers, uh, normal earth people. And normal earth people uh, really, really could uh, need a lot of solid, good information. And sadly, they're not getting it or they get this convoluted stuff off the internet, YouTube, and all of these places. So I've been on a bit of a mission to try to add a little bit of uh, 
reality. Also coming from Southern California, working under the Ninth Circuit, being involved in law enforcement my entire adult life and in, and in uh, corporate, private security, executive protection, all that. Uh, working under uh, constitutional, highly restrictive constitutional premise and working under the Ninth Circuit. And dealing with that, I think people also get a lot of horrible advice on use of force. So my focus lately has been deep, deep diving on the uh, how to appropriately use force as opposed to shooting. So that's me. Cool. And then we have legendary lawman, Marshall Captain Uncle Chuck Haggard. <laughs> I'm uh, also a deputy sheriff. And a firefighter. <laughs> I thought I'd throw that in there. Have to cover all the bases. Uh, yeah. So uh, retired out of one law enforcement job. It was a very, very busy job after 28 years. I'm currently in my 34th year of law enforcement. Leaving the, the job that I spent 28 years at, uh, I got involved in training uh, people who weren't cops. Uh, the vast majority of my training previous to that was in the law enforcement field, firearms instruction, defensive tactics, uh, basically everything between harsh language and a gun, um, you know, uh, batons, tasers, pepper spray, verbal judo, things like that. Uh, and then when I went to retire, right before I retired, I kept getting hit up for uh, different classes like pepper spray classes, managing unknown contacts, things like that. So that really drew me into the uh, non-police training field. Uh, probably can thank uh, Tom Gibbons for that, for asking me to teach at the tactical conference, which is primary non, primary, primarily non-law enforcement people involved in that. And that really uh, introduced me into, into that world more. Of course, like uh, Chris said, when I'm off duty, I'm just another person. Uh, you know, you can get robbed. You can get carjacked just like anybody else. Uh, so when I'm going about my business, that's one mission. You know, when I was a uniform cop, that was another mission. When I was a SWAT guy, that was another mission. Uh, way, way back when, when I was uh, uh, in, in a scout platoon and it was still the Cold War, then, uh, you know, that was, a, that was another mission. So uh, when we started talking about doing this modcast, I kind of got a keen interest in that. So I have a couple different topics. I'm trying to figure out which way or which way we should start. <clears throat> Do you think the idea of different, differentiating between possible and probable would be a good jumping off point? Good as any. <laughs> yeah, let's go with it. <laughs> So yeah, possible and probable, they both start with P, but they're very different. And unfortunately, it seems most people are more focused on the possible than the probable. And the probable should be something that we should be looking at a little bit more. Chris, you have some thoughts on that? Uh, sure. So I, and I teach an entire one day class on uh, mental agility, planning and preparation skills. And it's, and it's centered around in, in part um, risk management, uh, recognition, prime decision making, create, like figure out what you're facing, then create a menu of options. And then you can, you know, when you encounter a situation 22, you just pull a plan R off the shelf uh, and execute uh, and then flex off of that, that recognition uh, 
prime decision as needed. And so when it comes to probable versus possible, um, like something I think is interesting, we were talking about home defense uh, earlier before, before we kicked off. And it is true, like, I, you know, I have a sweatpants gun because I don't want to be caught on the toilet with my gun on the other side of the house dealing with, you know, Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees or whomever. Um, but that being said, what I think is interesting is that if you talk to 100 gun owners, I'm not talking concealed carriers, I'm just talking 100 people that own guns, universally, what is the most common answer for why they bought, like, say, a handgun or a home defense shotgun or a already spoil it there? It's to protect myself and, you know, protect the home. And then you ask them, like, even if they have their concealed carry permit, do you carry it every day? Well, no, I carry it when I think I'm going to need it. And, you know, Tom Gibbons has a great saying about that. If I, if I, if I think I'm going to need a gun where I'm going, I'm just not going to go there, which is probably a better plan. But it's really interesting because one of the places that people will most often either leave their gun at home or take some little C-camp tiny pistol that they don't know how to shoot well uh, is like their local convenience store right around the corner from their house. Whereas statistically speaking, the place I'm most likely to need my gun, like the place I should take my Roland special with my weapon mounted light, my red dot, my 20 round mag is the convenience store right around the corner from my house. Because if I have to shoot somebody, you know, as a private citizen in my lifetime, that's probably the place going to happen. Either that or the grocery store I go to every week. And so people, I think, do a poor job. Uh, and I certainly have. I'm not, you know, I, I've learned these lessons myself. Uh, but I think people do a poor job of sizing up that like is a mass shooting in your church or at your local Walmart, can that happen? It's possible. Sure. It's possible. Uh, but generally speaking, it's going to be the crackhead walking up to you at the gas pump and sticking something in your face, demanding either your wallet or your keys or both. And so start there. And once you have that problem and the technical skills and the tactical decisions pre-made to deal with that problem, then we can start worrying about hunting down the, the team of mass shooters in your local Walmart. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. Midi clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Chuck or Daryl? I, uh, I, I can pretty much just completely agree with everything Chris said, and, and uh, I, I think we're done. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> and then CC well, just hugs in now. I'm not going to let it go that easy. But, um, you know, one of the things I found, because I investigated a lot of Austin involved shootings as a cop, and then a lot of uh, 
uh, criminal shootings, that type of thing of real world, actual applications of lethal force and shooting. And one of the things that I found, including you know, multiples of my own, is that um, everybody's little tactical fantasy of what their use of force incident is going to look like uh, never seems to look like that. Uh, the shootings you envision yourself being in don't look like that. They're absolute other complete chaos. Uh, situations you predict that everybody likes training for and getting out on YouTube and they got their timer and their, their one-dimensional paper target and they're doing this thing. That this is how my ATM robbery is going to go off. It's not how your ATM robbery is going to go off. And the shooting, you know, just multiple unassessed targets. Uh, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, you're, you're, your one second, you know, uh, draw your one second speed reload, all this, none of that's going to happen. So the reality is, um, you, I like to see people try to prepare for a real world. And again, back to what your mission is and what the probabilities are. And I think the other thing we can maybe segue into here at some point is what kind of responder are you to? is uh, I think it was Greg Elifritz who came up with the high-level responder. Um, I've been around Chuck enough. Uh, I need to start hanging out with Chris because we live apparently in the same city, which, you know, we need to fix this. Um, and uh, it, I can't help myself. I'm sort of a high-level responder. It's what I've done my entire life. You know, if somebody does something stupid, I tend to go get involved as much as I tell myself not to. <laughs> And the reality, though, is most people are not. And you have a ton of people out there preparing to be a high level responder that they're not. And I'm like, you know, this is going to be your first rodeo on this. This isn't going to be my first shooting. It's going to you know, work some EP stuff. And every, you know, I had guys, you know, young guys come up. How come you won't roll with me in the car? Because, dude, I don't want to be here for your first shooting or your first, you know, vehicle ambush, or I don't want to be here for your first time um, that you're all trying to ex excited to be in. The reality of this stuff is, you know, the mission for most people is breaking contact, period. That's it. Break contact, get away. It, it, and better than breaking contact, don't be in contact to begin with. But we have all these people out there who are now preparing, you know, for ISIS attacking at Walmart, and that you're going to run in and protect everybody from that. And I think it's sort of a ridiculous uh, concept on its own when the reality, I think the big hero of one of the recent ones was the, the uh, soldier from uh, with a CCW from uh, uh, Fort Bliss out in El Paso, herded up all the little lost children and got them out of the Walmart. That to me is that, that to me was the best thing you can be doing rather than hunting down active shooters. So uh, you know, we recently had an incident with my wife and I have been, you know, picked to be a victim of street robberies. I think I'm down to about half a dozen of them. And, you know, they, that to me is my reality these days is people want to rob Santa for some weird reason. And countering that's more important to me than, you know, this other stuff. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people get focused on these missions that aren't theirs and, you know, who you're willing to die for these days. I'm not really willing to die for a whole lot of people. So what's your mission again? You know, and I think break contact should be most people's mission on this stuff. And 
try not to use any force if you don't have to, and then try to minimize what you do and stay out of trouble. That's should be most people's mission. So Cecil, right now we're discussing differentiating between probable and possible. So Chuck or Cecil, any comments on that? I'll let Chuck go. Since I, since I joined last of everybody, I want to get caught up here. Well, one, one of the things that uh, Chris alluded to with his background, obviously my background's uh, divergent than his, uh, pretty similar to uh, Daryl's, mainly separated by geography, that kind of thing. Uh, and Tom talks about that in his concealed carry classes, that the mission of the cop is different than the mission of the military guy, different than the mission of a, a civilian concealed carrier. But what being a cop does give you is insight into how criminals work, how they victimize people, what uh, these types of attacks look like when we're talking about the probable versus uh, possible. Um, you know, what's most likely to happen? What are you most likely to face? Uh, and then exactly what does that look like? I, I can't tell you how many armed robberies I've worked, uh, convenience store parking lots, uh, people getting jacked at the gas pump, people getting jacked uh, in the convenience store as part of the convenience store robbery, uh, things like that. So that really gives us insight when you're talking to people about how things happen. Um, when you're interviewing the victims, sometimes not as much insight as you would uh, expect because there's a whole lot of, uh, oh my God, it happened so fast. He came out of nowhere. And then the end of his gun was that big around. Uh, and that that's pretty much what you get. So that's a lesson in actual, uh, what failures in situational awareness look like and what that does to us. But it also gives us an insight into concepts like urban watering holes, where are people commonly victimized? Uh, Tom Givens talks about the whole, there is no street crime, but there's a whole lot of parking lot crime uh, that, you know, certain places are going to be drivers. I can tell you one of the things when I'm talking in my managing unknown contacts class about uh, to, to get across to people where these things, where this type of thing happens is uh, a lot of people try to mentally insulate themselves from stuff because they're like, well, you know, I don't go to bad neighborhoods. Uh, some of the crime drivers in any in any city will be your convenience stores, it'd be your gas stations, things like that. But also, uh, every Walmart that I've seen in every jurisdiction that I've looked at their crime mapping is a crime bubble. And you know the reason is uh, everybody goes to Walmart or whatever big store that you have in your area. The good guys go to Walmart, the bad guys go to Walmart, everybody goes to Walmart, everybody goes to the grocery store. You know, you might, <laughs> you might be a, a drug lord, but you gotta eat too. So that's just the way it works. So when you look at the concept of urban watering holes and likelihoods of things happening and that sort of thing, um, then you can start to prioritize where you need to really be paying attention, where you will need to apply your yellow and your orange on the Cooper color codes, things like that. Um, so that's, I think that's where the real insight for me has come in the cop world is you get to learn from other people's experience uh, and lots and lots of it. So Cecil, yeah. 
with your background being different from all of ours, yeah. how are you defining the difference between possible and probable? As a matter of uh, fact, what is your background? Let's go into that too. Uh, just a businessman. Who happens to have some interests that are <laughs> right. conducive to this topic. Right. Who, who's a martial art nerd and a gun geek um, kind of fighting for control of my body and my brain at any given moment and just putting the time in trying to see how those all work. But then I think trying to figure out how it works in my environment and it's always been a little odd to me. And I think it's partly because I come into this, you know, like with a foot in both worlds, right? I'm, yeah, I'm in the gun world for sure, but I'm also kind of a little bit out. And, the, and you know, I was, I was born a shooter, raised a shooter, whatever, I'm shooting all my life, whatever the cliches are. But my main focus for, you know, most of my life was on the martial arts side. So I spent far more time there. And I always found it interesting the the gun world approach seemed to be focused on law enforcement military type stuff and movies and tv which i think is also a killer um and it was always odd that i always felt like i was taking crazy pills because i would look at like well here's what these guys are training for this environment i'm like that's not my environment that's not where I'm at. I'm in the gas and sit. I'm in, you know, traffic. Um, we literally just last two weeks on um, in one of the nice upper middle class neighborhoods that I pass every day on the way to work. Uh, about 30 minutes before I got there, there was a road rage incident where a guy followed another car to when the guy pulled in the, into his driveway just off the main drag and started firing literally I, and passed I actually had to go around because they blocked off the main road and I did a detour right past where where they had the guy sprawled out if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes insomnia brain fog moodiness or weight gain you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging the experts at midi health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause and MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Um, and that's more of what I'm used to as opposed to, you know, these other things. We just had another one in Yuma in Arizona where, um, I don't know if you guys saw it, it was a convenience store robbery and it was like a uh, former Marine where the, the young punk pulls, points the gun at him and the guy grabs and he gets him down the ground. The other guy skedaddles, but that's more always the environment 
I always pictured any of my conflict. But if, you know, I think it's better now, the last 10 years or so. But prior to that, you know, because I'm the gun nerd reading Combat Handguns magazine in 1980 and as a junior in high school, you know, um, reading all the books and all that kind of whatever, you know, SWAT, or SWAT magazine, Soldier Fortune and all the, you know, here, here, I, there I was type stuff is like not my environment. So for me, it was what do I see? What do most of my friends experience on a regular basis you know where are we like where do we congregate you know like the, our little you know middle class sur suburban people where do we congregate and it's like that's the look not these other things you know like like daryl said it's my mission has to be very specific because yeah i'm an active shooter in a mall yeah, maybe but more likely, it's going to be the road rage incident. It's going to be the guy at the gas and sip when I go in to get a big gulp or something like that. And I think that's just, it's sort of colored how I approached everything, you know, looking at it that way from, you know, the time I was, you know, a dumb high school kid. Chris? Uh, yeah, well, I wanted to follow, follow up on something Daryl had said, but, but also on, on um, to, to piggyback on something that Cecil said real quick. Something that, that anybody watching at home can, can Google is a risk assessment matrix. And if you Google risk assessment matrix, it'll bring up 500 uh, various types. And really, I don't care which one you look at because they're all the same theme. And it's you're measuring probability versus severity. And, you, and it's actually a, a it's supposed to be a objective ish method of, OK, how likely is this to happen? And how severe would it be if it would happen? And then applying a numerical value to it, and then you can rank rank what you're facing. Um, and so we're we're always looking at, at probability versus severity. And like obviously, a mass shooter at a you know a Walmart or a shopping mall is super super severe, but we we literally can keep track of them. Whereas we can't keep track of the carjackings and muggings and stuff that happen at convenience stores and so forth, uh, which can be equally catastrophic to you as an individual. But something that Daryl touched on that I thought was really, really great was he mentioned Greg Elifritz and uh, high responders, low responders, and basically intervention or not intervening. And I don't, like, give me the signal if I'm jumping on, if I'm jumping too far. <laughs> but in terms of defining your mission, the beautiful thing about uh, being a private citizen is that we all get to, we get to define our mission. Um, and I 100% agree with Daryl that generally for most people, Break contact is your only mission and the only mission you should have. Um, but what it takes to define your mission, I think, is a really high degree of self-awareness about how much skill, experience, uh, and so forth you actually have. For example, with the high responder, low responder thing, uh, you know, I, I highly recommend people take force-on-force uh, -force training, especially ambiguous force-on-force -force training, like the, the stuff that that uh, you know these my fellow panelists offer uh, you know Craig uh, Craig Douglas offers with uh, uh, Shivworks and ECQC because what that helps you figure out is whether or not you are a high responder or a low responder. Do you have a tendency to overreact or underreact? And once you know that about yourself, you can mitigate your natural reactions. If you know you're a high responder, then you can uh, make it a point to take that pregnant pause, that tactical pause, and, and, and ask yourself whether you really want to get involved. Whereas if you're a low responder, you've got to find ways to respond more decisively when you need to. But all that being said. Um, I'll tell you right now, if my family, my wife and my, my four kids were in a, in a Walmart or in a shopping center somewhere, uh, and, and they were 
uh, you know, in danger of like a mass shooter or something like that. I would, I would want somebody like Chuck or Daryl or Cecil, uh, basically deciding, now nah, I'm not going to let these people die. I'm going to, I'm going to pull my gun out. I'm going to do something about this. On the flip side, some of my private lesson students, you know, the 55 year old person who's handling a gun for the first time with me in a lesson, when they leave with their concealed carry permit the following week, I probably don't want them pulling a gun out in that exact same situation. So there's a lot of times where like I might intervene based on my experience, Craig, or Craig, Greg had a, uh, Greg Elephants had a great article on, should you render aid to the person you shot? Well, I'm not going to relitigate the whole article, but his, his conclusion was no, probably not. And my advice for most people would be no, probably not. Now, being a former special forces medic, I have been involved in either directly or in, or, or being part of the group that shot a person and then medically treated that person with people covering me uh, quite a bit. Um, so I'm fairly comfortable with, with uh, flex cuffing and treating a guy um, if I need to. So might I, in some very narrow circumstances, just decide to treat a guy that I just shot? Well, sure. But I also have a couple decades of practice at it. And if you don't, then you probably shouldn't. So de defining your mission is going to take a lot of self-awareness about your skills and your background. And if you're not sure, you should probably default to just break contact. If you're an actual high-level professional who's got a lot of experience and it's not your first rodeo, then you can probably make a better, more sound judgment on whether or not you should get involved, whether it be a convenience store robbery or a mass shooter or whatever the situation may be. That was wonderful. That was great. What this reminds me of, this whole conversation, is it's going to make a lot of people very upset those people that go and buy their AR-500 waiting for the apocalypse, AR-500 plates. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's like guarantee that Chuck and I, for example, have the exact same active shooter response kit in our cars. Cause everybody's got a, you got to have an active shooter response kit where you got your plate carrier and your, uh, some kind of micro carbine that you can put together in your helmet and your mm -hmm. nods and all that in your car. Yeah, clearly. Um, and it jumps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I have a big blue, uh, blanket you know, sling pack sling pack with medical gear in it. The only way I'm going back into a place like that is if the cops need help with, you know, maybe a little bit of medical and I'm probably the last guy you ever want working on you. But the idea that somebody would put on exactly what the crook is probably wearing and run back in carrying the weapon the cops are looking for and thinking this is a brilliant idea is so ludicrous to me. It hurts. But, you know, that's what we got people out preparing for. And it gets back to that. You know, what do you really you know, what's your reality? But it's like. You know, you know, like Chris said, you know, if it's your wife and kids in there, like I'm willing to die for that. Um, probably, you know, and, and it's what kind of gear are you carrying? What are you prepared for? You know, when I used to go pick my daughter up from school, I always had a high capacity nine millimeter pistol of some sort, service size pistol. I had med gear with me. I had reloads. I had all of these things because the I know myself enough that I'm not willing to let a bunch of kids in a school get shot, especially it's a school my kid goes to. My kid's out of school now. <laughs> I, I don't carry all that stuff when I drive by the school anymore. It doesn't, you know, concern me. I, I I'm trying to use layered. Uh, gear. I have a go to trouble gun that I normally carry when I leave the house and I have a get out of trouble guns that I carry all the time. And 
you know, I think a lot of people back to that mission thing are setting themselves up for these fantasy, you know, missions they're doing. And my biggest worry with a lot of those folks is they're carrying gear that they envision themselves using. And then a scenario pops up and they're going to plug that into the solution because they have it, not because it's the right solution. It's because I have my Roland special with my X5000 light and a red dot and a 20 round. I really have to go get involved in this. And one of the funniest things I just took, uh, you know, uh, David Cagle, uh, who I'm mentoring, and I took him on the California gunfighter tour. And it was the weirdest thing of going back to SoCal recently is all of these guys I've known for years, industry guys, SWAT studs, just monster stud cop dudes. And they're all carrying J frames. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. That it's the weirdest thing. And I'm talking to them and I'm because I'm kind of in the same place. And they're like, it keeps me from doing stupid stuff. Mm -hmm. And one in particular is, uh, runs a SWAT team at the moment. You know, the guy's a phenomenal shooter. He's a legacy dude. And he goes, you know, I was out jogging this morning, went into the local Starbucks. He goes, there's a 187. There's a homicide suspect sitting inside of Starbucks. And he goes, I got a J frame, you know, and a towel or something. Cause he's been out jogging. He stops to get his drink. And he goes, you know what I did? I walked outside. I got on the phone, called dispatch, said, send me a couple of units. I'll keep an eye on this guy and stuff. And he goes, you and I both know if I had my five inch 1911 that I've carried my whole life. And I'm, you know, these guys are you know, diehard 1911, dude. What would have I done if I had a five inch 1911 with me? He got screwed it in the 187 suspects here. Cause that's what we do. And I, I would be guilty of the same thing. I've done that kind of stuff in the past. And, but the problem is, is you go to LA now and talk to all the guys there, what they're dealing with is Gascon is their district attorney who wants to hang a cop so bad it hurts. These guys are like checking out. They're like, I'm trying to carry stuff that forces me to not get involved 
that and these guys are all shooters so they're good enough with a j frame you don't want to be anywhere in arm's distance of them if they've got a a snub they'll shove it right through your teeth and pull the trigger without hesitation so but they're kind of really gearing themselves to get themselves out of trouble and that's it and quit going to trouble because of the environment that's been politically created in that world and again that's back to adapting to your probabilities, their probabilities now in SoCal is if you get involved in something and use lethal force, you're more likely than not to get prosecuted by the people who should be prosecuting bad guys. And they're adapting to it. A lot of people who have never really done this stuff professionally before are trying to gear themselves up to go get into a gunfight with ISIS. That again, is probably not going to happen. And shouldn't the mission be to like, get yourself out. Um, you know, again, words of a former NYPD uh, training officer I know, you know, used to tell his kids, you know, his trainees, who are you willing to die for out here? It's a tough thing. But again, we, we the way the world's going right now, there's a whole lot of people need to be asking themselves, who are you willing to die for? Who are you willing to lose every cent you have for? Who are you willing to lose your home, your financial livelihood for? Who are you willing to get crippled for? Yeah, my list gets significantly smaller uh, daily about who I'm willing to do this stuff for. So, you know, again, it's back to that, you know, what are you really preparing for? And what kind of preparations are you making as much to get out of trouble as you are to get into trouble? Yeah. I remember having a conversation about this and essentially the way I explained it was it's a BYOG, bring your own gun. You use what you, what you have on you. That's why it's important that you train. So if you're carrying a snubby, if you're carrying a G43 or whatever, at, at a minimum, you need to be effective with it. If, it's, if you're just carrying it to be a talisman to ward off evil, yeah, don't even bother. Um, but it's the, the, the whole concept of having all this extra gear in your car when your mission is not to respond to this kind of stuff has always baffled me. And people would rather invest in these tangible things that will make them feel better than go to this training that will ultimately make them feel better and provide more, much more confidence. Um, you know, Matt, the, uh, yeah. I just want to interject on that. The, the stuff in the car, uh, one of the two active shooters that I pulled up on um, or that I was involved in, I pulled up on in, in the middle of it and if I'd have had a carbine in the trunk or a plate carrier or anything like that, it would have all been left behind. I literally had absolutely no time to hang on a minute. I got to jock up with all my cool guy shit. Uh, I, I was faced with a lady that came running down the stairs and she's holding her face. She's got an arterial bleed squirting between her fingers and she's screaming, he's killing the babies. Let me go back to my car and get my cool guy stuff. No, you go with what you mm. got on your person and you go right fucking now. You don't have time for anything else, anything else at all. Uh, that's just the way it is. So <laughs> if you look at probability versus possibility, the biggest probability of having gear in your car is having that gear stolen in an automotive burglary. Uh, unless you've got one of the, 
you know, uh, the big armored drawers that you can put in the back of SUVs and things like that, uh, your odds are that that stuff is going to arm a criminal at some point because you've got, lay, you've got it laying around in your vehicle. And cars are very, very, very poor gun safes. Uh, and that's all there is to it. So uh, I carry stuff in my car because I've done things like, you know, the first time I did a tourniquet was before tourniquets were cool. I was in the 80s uh, off of I-29 outside of Omaha because I rolled up on a rollover accident and the lady had, uh, nobody wore their seatbelts back then. She'd been ejected and her leg was sliced open on a guardrail after she got thrown out of the car. Um, so I carry medical mostly in my car, mostly because of the number of car wrecks I've rolled up on. Uh, so we, if we look at uh, probability versus possibility, we, we really need to, uh, if we're going to be a high responder or we're going to get involved in things like this, you're vastly more likely to use uh, tourniquets, med gear, uh, medical training than you are, you know, to have to repel out of flaming helicopters or whatever your deal is. I'm going to guess of all the cool things that, uh, that, you know, that guys I know have done that even Chris has not repelled out of a flaming helicopter. Accurate. Accurate. Uh, and I, I do want to, I do want to say one thing real quick about people running to their truck and getting, uh, getting, you know, with their truck gun and their plate carrier and running back in to confront the actual shooter. The, the, I can hear somebody yelling at their, yelling at their computer right now watching this uh, about the SAS guy in uh, Kenya or Nigeria mm. or in Africa. And, uh, and my answer to that is, is, Hey man, when you're an SAS operator in sub-Saharan Africa, you can do whatever you want. Um, if you live in Des Moines, Iowa or, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, then you sh- and you're not an SAS operator, you should probably not. Uh, and, and I do want to, I do want to segue to Cecil real quick. Cause when we talk about possible versus probable, um, the, and, and I do at times actually do carry a, a, a Folin special, you know, it's not an exact replica, but, uh, you know, compensated red dotted Glock 19 with a 20 round mag. But that being said, uh, mass shooter, you know, really severe, but really improbable, a sublethal <laughs> road rage encounter where somebody just tries to fight me. They don't even need a gun, like, you know, maybe pepper spray or maybe empty handed skills. And that's where, you know, training with a guy like Cecil can be so much more important than training with some ninja like me who's going to teach people. I am going to start a rappelling out of a flaming helicopter. Good. I'll, t- I'll sign up. I'll sign up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that'll be a good moneymaker. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Cecil, I'd love to hear your thoughts on on the kind of the, the chasm between the lethal encounter everybody thinks they're going to have versus just the like fight with a drunk they're probably going to have. Well, again, that's kind of goes back to like I said, sometimes I felt like, and especially in the early days when, you know, when I was not particularly welcome in the firearms community, I, 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 I was taking crazy pills. It was this idea where every gun centric person seems to look at everything through this prism of, I have a gun and I'm going to get into a gunfight. Therefore the bad guy is going to have a gun and we're going to get into this John Wick hard boiled shooting type thing. And yet, if you look at, you know, you just read the newspaper, you just look at, you know, the, the crime watch in just your area, you go uh, bar fights and road rage and, um, you know, idiots uh, at the gas and sip and all these things that aren't that level of lethal force that you probably shouldn't shoot them. And that's 
and I'm saying that in Phoenix where we're, you know, Arizona, it's like Texas or Oklahoma, right? We're about as friendly, you know, self-defense friendly as you're going to get, but that's still dumb. It's still dumb. Um, even if you face no legal consequences, the media is going to eat you up. So why are why? Sh- I mean, not to say we can't we don't need to be ready for that. Certainly, that's important. You know, it's like a parachute, right? Nobody wants to use a parachute, but when you need it, nothing else is going to you know take its place. And but we're talking the tiny like if this is the fight of all the kind of things that might come to us, this is the gunfight. Cool. Let's absolutely put time into training that. But here's these other things. Yeah, it's not even a fight, right? That's the wrong term. It's self-preservation because the self-preservation might be, oh, damn, I cut myself with a bandsaw in the garage and I'm by myself and I'm starting to spurt. Oh, you know what? I better grab that tourniquet that I keep handy for that kind of stuff, you know, and but, and that goes along that continuum of, of here's these other things. Okay. Yeah. Is legal force going to pay attention to and be concerned with? Sure. But what about everything else before that? And um, it's just, there are far more non-lethal violent situations than there are lethal. That's just, you just look at the crime stats and you, you know, you can tell anybody who's been in college at a major university can tell you that. You know, um, I can't tell you how many fights I got in, especially with the fraternity guys. And I never got into a gunfight with any of them. Um, of course, that was when I was a little bit more stupid and dumb about those kind of things. But that's before things, Facebook, though. Yeah, that no. Oh, man, that's what saved me, because there's a <laughs> lot of dumb stuff I did back then. We called it field testing. And it was just not the smartest thing I've ever done, but. Um, no video. So no, 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 uh, camera phone, no camera, cell phone. So look at, you know, follow me around. Um, but yeah, I, I think for certainly we need to be ready for all of those things. And more importantly, you better put yourself in that situation, at least in training where you have to make those ambiguous choices. Um, the class that Daryl and Chuck and I just did, um, at the beginning of October, we had, uh, 15, 16, whatever, 15 people, whatever. And almost all of them to a man were like, uh, I never thought about this. This never occurred to me. This was, this, we shot 200 rounds in two and a half days and not one of them missed shooting anymore because it was all the other stuff that was as important. And the shooting was all about, uh, how do you put it, Daryl, uh, decision-making with a gun in your hand? Yeah, it was high accountability shooting. And yeah. the, the reality is, yeah, they they maybe shot a couple hundred rounds. And you know how many of them shot the wrong target? Shot a, shot a no-shoot, uh, shot a, uh, a bystander, uh, go through it. You know, because I've gotten pretty evil on the range. Um I, I've gotten out of the hole. I don't care how fast you can draw. I don't care how fast you can put right. You know, it, it, do that on your time on YouTube. So what I'm doing now is I'm setting up problem solving. So you're dealing with non shoots in front. You're dealing with non shoots behind the targets. I need you to make a, make a force decision correctly. I need you to make an, a, a, when to sh- start shooting, where to shoot, when to stop shooting and dealing with, uh, non-shoots 
and non-involved people that unlike on the uh, competitive shooting range or all this other stuff, I don't let you put muzzles on non-shoots. You know, it's like I tell people, I go, okay, anybody with kids, which of the people in this class or which of your friends or which of your cop buddies or whatever you shoot with, which ones are you going to let put muzzles on your children? Because for me, the answer is that, including myself. I don't want to even be muzzling my own child, my own self. And I certainly don't want uh, some Joe nobody I don't know on the street. And, you know, that's Chuck and I, that's how Chuck and I kind of became friends as we've both been on a couple decade crusade of trying to get cops to quit pointing guns at everything because you have a badge that makes it okay to point guns at things that don't need muzzles on them. You know, go ahead, violate rule two all you want. It doesn't matter because you have a badge. That's, that's stupid. And so when I throw all of those things in, the people at the course, whatever level they were at, didn't have too many problems putting good hits on targets. The problem was making the right decision to do it. And then when we throw in, they got to do some muck stuff with Chuck where you got a guy bum and change all that and put them into a shooting problem. Uh, Cecil's giving them the force problems, the whole thing. We start wrapping all that together. That starts actually looking like actual street encounters. People have a very hard time dealing with that because all they've trained to do is use their cool guy gun and do cool guy drills that have really not a lot of relation to real world street problems. And then the other thing we forced them to do is dress for a non-permissive environment at work. Like you are working at a place that doesn't allow you to have a weapon. So that meant you had to carry a little gun of some sort, have all your stuff concealed, not covered. It had to be concealed. Uh, like you would violate a whole bunch of social norms to figure out that somebody's armed and then deal with these street level force problems that we were throwing at them. And a lot of people had a very hard time with it. And most do because they've never been immersed in violence like some of us have. And, you know, I found it funny that all three instructors showed up carrying Ruger LCRs, which was kind of funny. And then I got to test it myself is on my way home uh, my plane flight got all messed up and I got to negotiate Chicago at 1130 at night uh, with a screwdriver and a mod light, which is what came off the airplane with me. And you, know, you get to practice this stuff, you know, for reals. And all of a sudden, when you don't have your cool guy gun, you don't have this, you don't have that, you got a screwdriver and a mod light. Pretty soon you start to get down to maybe I needed uh, more skills than uh, how fast I can do a drill on YouTube. So you know, I, it, to, to us, it was a very beneficial class. We're looking forward to doing it again and kind of developing that program of integrating all of this stuff, uh, high accountability shooting, dealing with street level crimes, pepper spray, uh, and hand to hand skills that all work together. And, and it's important. So If no one else, excuse me, if no one else has a comment, this goes perfectly, in my opinion, into the next topic. There's a phrase that we, we say all the time, and we, we seem to understand it, but I don't know if the general public does, and its mission drives the gear. The, 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 the big asterisk to this is, well, what's the mission? 
So in your guys' opinions, how does, how does one establish their mission parameters? How do they determine what options fit what mission? Cecil, I know you have a very unique perspective on that as well. I think unmuted. Um, so for me, it's, it's literally, I think it has to be a continuous trial and error. Uh, and I know we're supposed to have some can pat subject matter expert answer that fixes out all the problems, but it basically becomes, all right, what do you do on a daily basis? Well, what does your life look like? Because, you know, you know, my life might not be yours or it might not be um, that 22 year old college student down the street or whatever, where do you go? Who are the people you interact with? That's I think the starting point. And then you also, um, and I think Chris brought this up. Um, you have to be, you have to be self-aware of what you are capable of. You have to be aware of how you interact with people. Um, Daryl and I were talking a couple of years ago about one particular student who just had never seen what violence looks like and his reactions and training were not as good as they could have been because he just had never put himself in that situation or thought about it. It was all this very, Oh, I go to this shooting class and we do this and I buy this gear that, you know, the hardware solves all the issues. And I think you, it's all about you. Like my daughter, when she turned 21, um, she, when we got her CCW, I'm trying to figure out, well, how am I going to, how is she going to carry? What is she going to carry? Because she's 21. She's in college. She, she's not like miss model, like, Oh, I have to be super fancy dress. But she also said, dad, I'm not going to dress like a frump. So there's certain clothing restrictions, you know, uh, a young woman's going to have um, her. She she's average size, but she has short fingers. So the my Glock 19 was sort of on the ragged edge of, of work for her. She could do it, but she didn't enjoy it as much. And it was a little larger to conceal. So we had to play around with stuff. And brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. 
seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. There wasn't a lot, and this is, this is 2000, I can't remember how old she is now. Uh, so this is probably 2010. Yeah, that's right, 2010. Um, so there wasn't a lot of help in the typical training community for those questions that I was like, how do I solve this? And then her profession is a very specific profession um, where she has a, a very strict dress code based on what she's doing. And it's, you know, oh, well, you get another job. Well, she's got two degrees and a master's degree, and she's been in this profession for about eight years. I don't think she's going to change just so she can carry a Glock 19 and three reloads. You know, it's just, it's just not realistic. And so I think you have to really think about what is working for you and don't get caught up in what works for me or what works for, you know, Mr. Special Forces man, <laughs> you know, we're all different. And especially, I think Chris would probably agree what you would carry when you were still active was probably slightly different than when you're retired with your family. And that's even a different situation. So I think, and Daryl, I know I've talked to Daryl about this, you know, what he did before he retired was different after he retired and then started working these high-end security gigs where he had to actually dress like, you know, a Vogue model or something like a GQ model, you know? So it's all different based on that. I think there's the starting point, not necessarily what, what I, you know, what I carry or what Chuck carries or, or whoever you want to follow. Anyway, I didn't mean to go on that long a rant. Sorry. About that. No, that was great. That was great. Um, I do want to point out, you use the phrase works for me works for me. Absolutely. Is a, it's, it's valid. If you've done, if you've tested it, if you've trained, (laughs) if you're some Facebook dude said, yeah, it works for me. Never shot the gun, but I carry it every day. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's not valid input. Yeah. If I could, if I could jump in here, Matt, you know, for me, it's, it's, I'm, I'm in such a weird, uh, variable thing of my mission changes daily and yeah i've had periods where in the same week i've been working a uniform gig where i'm carrying a you know war belt and a full-size uh you know beretta 92 you know full-size line 92 elite uh most of the time my go-to is a px4 uh compact with a uh is my get go to trouble daily gun appendix carried and then um I, I am pretty much it's near impossible to find me without a get out of trouble gun, which tends to be with me a small revolver because I like those to stuff into places where guns shouldn't go. And uh, you have a good chance of getting on a trigger that you don't want to in a place that it is. And um, but by the same token, you know, I live on a country club 
you know, when I go take a walk with my wife or go play the dog or do something, you know, I'm not jocking up like that. You know, I'm carrying a, you know, my little you know, J frame or an LCR or something. Um, I have a place at Lake Havasu. I spend a lot of time out there. I'm wearing board shorts. That's it. I'm wearing board shorts, no shirt, no nothing. For me, that's how I run an enigma. I run it below the waistline um, with a, with a small revolver. Um, yeah, it's not the greatest thing in the world to go to war with, but you know what, of all the other people wearing bathing suits and no shirts, I'm probably the only one with a gun, which, you know, is peachy. That's about all I need. And, you know, again, so the mission sort of becomes, uh, it can vary every day for me. I, you know, if I, my rule is generally, if I get in my truck and leave the community, I'm carrying a nine millimeter in the front of my pants. By the same token, I currently work a lot of jobs where I am in no weapon environments, which means that I have to be, I am wearing clothes somebody else picked for me to wear, and I cannot carry a weapon by policy. Am I at a place in my life where I don't care? Yes. But there's a lot of people who do. And, you know, particularly, for example, doctors, you know, a lot of ER staff, you're wearing scrubs in an emergency room and emergency rooms are horrible, dangerous places full of horrible, dangerous people. And they tend not to get the type of security that you should have for an emergency room. They tend to go the opposite direction. I know a lot of those people who carry. The problem is, is if you're a doctor or a trauma surgeon or a high level ER nurse or something, and you get caught carrying at work, nobody's paying your medical degree bills. You're never getting hired again in that industry. You're putting everything you have on what you're carrying and how you're carrying. And I'm not going to be the guy to say, well, if you don't have a red dot, you know, you're carrying some, if you don't carry at all, I get it. But the reality is most of those people are very much deep, deep, deep concealing if they do. And that's a completely different mission on its own that gets completely ignored in this world. Everybody gets ridiculed because it's like you're carrying an LCP. Well, it's better than nothing. And in some cases, nothing might be better that you're, you're, you know, is when you're going, you know, I, I can't risk or jeopardize. I know a lot of people who cannot risk or jeopardize getting fired over being discovered with a gun. And we get a lot of people, particularly the ex-cops or current law enforcement, like I can carry a God knows what concealed. You're not concealed. You're covered. And you got a badge. You have no, no risk whatsoever. So Claude Werner has the Claude Werner challenge for all of these guys who want to pontificate on what they carry, you know, cause everybody I know on the internet carries, yeah, I got my, my Roland special. I carry 24 seven. It's in my, my boxer shorts now. Sure it is. Okay. But the reality Claude Werner says, you want to show me how good you are? Go get a job at target work in the retail in the little target uniform for three, six months and see if you can work there every day and never get made. It ain't going to happen. You know, Claude's testing this theory out at Home Depot. He says it's like it can't be done. 
you're crawling around shelves doing inventory, you're crawling around stuff, you're wearing, you know, a lot of this stuff cannot be done. And most of these people cannot literally get away with carrying every day. I remember a little pissing contest on the internet with one of the a big person in our industry was pontificating about stuff like that. And the guy got on and says, Hey, look, dude, I'm an air conditioning HVAC guy in Phoenix. I'm crawling around people's attics. I'm in people's houses. I'm wearing clothes that have to be, you know, HVAC guys getting into attics. That's not like you can wear. And I can't get made having a gun. So how I carry is, and what I carry is a lot different than, you know, the guy who's a retired federal agent, you know, working at a gun school, it's, it's not even apples to oranges. It's like apples to steak or something. And, you know, again, people need to be good. You know, we need to be encouraging people to work within their world and to truly define their world rather than the gun industry defining that world for them, because we're big on marketing and we're marketing to people and I think we do a very poor job of it as a whole. So that's my little rant for the, this 10 minutes. Well, I, I think the, that that marketing is based on everything that we've been discussing that we would rather not see. And it's people that are willing to buy that plate carrier and the AR 500 plates and the whatever guns and all that, who will never use it. They'll never trade train with it. However, they'll definitely spend the money and they'll feel good for it. So they're doing the marketing's doing them a disservice, but it's effective. It's all Chris's fault because he was special forces. And probably extra special. Extra. <laughs> very, very special. It's yeah. because he eats his vegetables. <laughs> yeah. Onion rings are vegetables. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's delve further though into defining those or establishing those mission parameters. Yeah, you got to figure out. Okay, what am I doing? That also goes back to probable versus possible, Chris. Um, so, so getting into um, mission drives gear train, which I think was kind of the original uh, original thought. Um, mission drives the gear train as it relates to the gun. It also uh, drives the gear train as it relates to all the appurtenances, accessories, whatever, you know, the, the additional tools, um, because the, uh, you know, this is purely anecdotal. I would guess that out of, uh, like say the state of Texas and however many million concealed, you know, the million, uh, concealed carry license holders or license carry holders, um, I would say the vast majority of them are carrying a gun and maybe spare mags. And that is it as far as applied violence, problem solving tools. Um, and then we've got other, other tools available. Uh, you know, obviously anybody who's watching this podcast is going to know about, uh, handheld lights and their utility and then weapon mounted lights. And I don't want to go down that road, but, but some, some form of light that you can hold in your hand, uh, less lethal tools, fixed blade knives, there's all kinds of stuff you can, uh, you can carry or not carry. And I think really what it boils down to is assessing, like Cecil said, okay, who are you? What does your life look like? And then holistically examining your life where from a geographical standpoint, you're likely to encounter violence and need tools uh, where from a temporal standpoint, daytime, nighttime, that kind of thing. Because, uh, you know, I, I, one of the big tropes about um, light versus no light, this, that, and the other is, is uh, you know, people say, well, you know, you live in, 
no, nobody lives in uh, you know total darkness. You're not going to get attacked by ninjas in the dark, or whatever. Well, I actually live in an ex-urban, you know, rural area where there is it's darker than most suburban environments. We'll say so. For me, a handheld light uh, is really crucially important. And it's crucially important for two reasons. One is partially to literally not only identify a person who's approaching me and get a good look at their face, because maybe I won't have it because I'm not, I don't live in a place that's just everywhere is perfectly well lit parking, parking lot stuff. But also when people talk about PID, it's not just possible, possibly identifying a person, but it's also what really is that in their hand? Because uh, you know, how many people have smoked somebody because they thought they had a gun and it was a cell phone, that kind of thing. And so, so you know, white lights really, really I, for me in my environment, really, really important. I would, and I would venture to say that most people would find a, a quality handheld light useful because the second use that I have for a handheld light is in managing unknown contacts. It allows me to assess somebody's intentions. If I pull out my, my, uh, my little mod light PLH version two here and hit somebody in the face with it as they approach me in a dark parking lot and they don't immediately stop, that's unusual behavior. And if they basically try to continue advancing towards me through a really, really bright handheld light, that's going to set off my alarm bells and give me another clue as to what may be about to transpire. Uh, so that is a tool that's very important to me. Uh, I also, I carry OC all the time and uh, uh, OC pepper spray. Uh, I carry it everywhere I go. And I, I used not to, but then I, I started working in Portland, Oregon uh, and Seattle, Washington and places like that pretty often. I realized that my, my most likely violent encounter was probably going to be a, a mentally disturbed homeless person uh, or something of that nature. And I didn't want to punch him in the face and I didn't want to basically come in physical contact with him at all. And if I could poke him in the eyes from six feet away and turn and walk the other direction, that's what I would personally prefer to do. That being said, if I had to leave between my uh, pistol, my fixed blade knife, my OC pepper spray and my uh, white light, my handheld light. If I had to leave one of those things at home as a six foot two, 250 pound man, who's relatively able to fight, I wouldn't want to tangle with Cecil. He would ball me up like a pretzel, but against the random person in the Walmart parking lot, I can physically hold my own without that OC spray if I need to. Conversely, my 16 year old daughter who is five foot six and 112 pounds, I will like, she better be carrying her OC because even though she does have some jujitsu skills, she's five foot six and 112 pounds and a 16 year old girl. So I think understanding your life, your context, your capabilities and what you need to do and the likely eventualities that you're going to need to forestall and you and use tools to handle. Um, if my biggest worry is just crackhead at the, at the convenience store, you know, at conversational distance, sticking a shank in my face, trying to take my wallet. Can I handle that with a Ruger LCR? Yeah, frankly, I probably can. I can per do, do perfectly good work. Um, my, my teenage kids, their home defense gun is a Ruger 10-22 with a 25-round mag. Um, is that a, just a man stopper? Well, I mean, one, kind of, yeah, if you use it right. But two, how many people are going to invade my home when I'm not here who are going to be willing to wade through 25 rounds of 22 long rifle coming down the hallway at them and continue advancing? Realistically, you know, they're going to see a kid, you know, locking down the hallway with a gun and probably stop there or turn and run at the first, first round or two. And so, so it's one of those things we're having a realistic trying to, based on research, uh, you know, just rational thought, talking to people, talking to people like, like Daryl and Chuck, who, you know, ask somebody like Chuck in your community, like, you know, Hey officer or deputy, like, what do you see around here and prepare for that and then tailor your tools to answer those likely problems. You know, though, that uh, 1022 is no good if it's Jason Voorhees. I just want to point that out. <laughs> That's fair. Jason Voorhees shows in my house, my kids are 
And it is Halloween right around the corner. Chuck? So uh, in the middle of all this, my ADD kicked in and I wanted to segue back originally to something that Cecil was talking about. If you got a tool that hole, if all you got to hammer, everything starts to, you know, treat everything like a nail uh, analogy plays into uh, gun. What I noticed uh, and I had this kind of split training upbringing in police uh, use of force, defensive, what you would call defensive tactics, typically in the industry, arrest and control stuff, and then being a gun guy. And uh, some of the stuff I look back on that, that we were taught as being the way to do things, we know now that we put it into a lab like ECQC and the close range gunfighting stuff that, uh, that Cecil does, that kind of thing. Um, just pick on one technique, speed rock. Uh, you know, that, that was, that was, okay, I have this problem. So how do I solve it with my gun? Because I literally don't have anything else. I don't have jujitsu skills or boxing skills or any other, any other way to handle this problem. So we're going to apply, uh, how, how can I possibly plug my gun to this problem? We'll we'll come up with this speed rock thing. So uh, what we found out when you start to pressure test this stuff is it's absolutely completely unworkable uh, that it kind of reminds me of uh, before UFC started, you would have like the Kung Fu magazine or karate magazine, and they would argue things like, you know, can my Wing Chun defeat your Taekwondo and that kind of crap. And then it finally came down to, well, let's, let's, you know, go full tilt boogie and try this out. And then we distilled this down to, you know, what works in a physical altercation is some combination of jujitsu, judo, and some sort of striking art. That's what it comes down to. Uh, We just boiled all of the bullshit off of it. Well, when we plug guns into fights, we find, you know, this close range interpersonal stuff. And we're not talking about squad level, platoon level gunfighting, but close range interpersonal stuff that fighting uh, hand stick knife gun uh, is really, really interrelated, really intertwined. And uh, being able to have those, you know, have those skills um, is a really important thing. Uh so I just wanted to hit on that before my ADD kicked in again. And I like completely frog- forgot to even talk about that. Uh, okay. I got to interject on the speed rock though, because I teach speed rock because a lot of people don't use it right. Speed rock's not made to sit there in front of people, how it gets taught all the time. It's supposed to be, or how it's properly used is when you're pinned up against a wall or a barrier, it's a retreating technique when you're pinned against something, that hip thrust allows you to clear room for your draw. But, you know, we got people standing out on the range doing this as using an advancing or a general purpose retention technique that's like completely wrong because, again, none of this stuff, this stuff gets square range tested and it doesn't get field tested I've had guys I've trained killed dudes out of a speed rock, but they were retreating into a barrier. And that's how you build enough room to get the, the, you know, access the weapon. And, you know, a lot of this goes back to, you know, people are not training for what their actual mission is. 
and you you or or have never really used this or talked to people who have deep dived this stuff into an actual real lab. And, you know, the real lab of the world is, you know, how often you get pinned into walls up against couches, up against this, but you got to find a means to uh, build distance. By the same token, any sort of advancing technique uh, or general purpose retention has got to be built out of a position of, of strength. And I'm going to kind of reverse that back into the pepper spray and the OC. You know, I was kind of shocked on, on PNS of, you know, a guy kind of bagging on, the situation my wife and I were just in, OC doesn't work. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, uh, okay, effing genius. I had a choice of deploying pepper spray, which I didn't have to deploy. As soon as the guy saw it, it was instantaneous. Crossed a parking lot to assault my wife and I and instantaneously stopped and called me an effing pussy as soon as he saw the spray come out of my pocket. And then when he went to re-engage, I already had a half a draw. I had the pepper held walled him. And then I, I had an LCR halfway out of my pocket. And I got a Ruger. I mean, I've got a, a Langdon PX4CC down the front of my pants, but nobody had to see a single weapon getting deployed. But the reality is for me, kind of like Chris, I am not a small human. I mean, I have the world's shortest legs, but my upper torso is six foot five worth of large mammal. And I don't exactly look like food. And I didn't used to carry pepper spray off duty because I was competent enough in my combative skills 
that I can generally pick most humans up and body slam them head first into the ground that I didn't really need think I needed that. Well, fast forward or go back a couple of years and in a sort of stupidity accident, I completely tore my hamstring off of my pelvic bone. And I already have no feeling in my left foot anyways. My hamstring is held onto my pelvic bone by three pieces of string. And I have a warning light because they had to detach the, the uh, sciatic nerve that as soon as I do something stupid, a big light comes on in my head to tell me to stop doing that. I can't do the jujitsu, the combatives. A lot of that stuff anymore is not in my wheelhouse because I physically can't do it without injuring myself. So now I carry pepper spray all the time. I mean, I don't leave home without a can of pepper in my pocket. And I sit there and I think about this and I go, and you know, Chuck's big on this. So between a harsh word, body posturing, whatever, the next thing I'm going to go to is going to be an edge weapon or a firearm, which are both lethal tools. In today's world, I'm dealing, you know, that incident my wife and I were in, a deranged, young, mentally ill, on drugs, obvious predator, probably felon, who happens to not look remotely like I do by race, you know, stuff. And the only option I'm left with is shooting this dude or sticking him. I'm sitting there going, I think pepper spray is a pretty good thing. And, you know, from a guy who, like I said, I led the state of California at pepper spray use for quite a while. I mean, where I got calls from state DOJ, do you know that you've used this more than anybody in the entire state of California? Because I softened everybody up with it. The difference was as a cop, I still had to go put handcuffs on it. So what I defined as effective was, was it easier for me to put handcuffs on? Yes or no? Yes. As a private citizen, you know, isn't the message, isn't the mission to break contact? Pepper spray is a great break contact thing. Because if they don't break contact off the pepper spray, I think I have a lot of art articulable reasons to now up that to lethal force, which is exactly what I did in that incident with my wife. I had, you, you know, I'm pretty good at, at combatives and stuff, but I had no doubt in my mind if this guy came through the pepper spray of what I was looking at is he was getting shot. Pure and simple. So having a barrier to at least attempting to break contact before I start deploying lethal force is probably a good thing in today's world. Um, unless, you know, you want to lose everything you have financially, get prosecuted, be, you know, cause riots in your city and stuff like that. But, you know, again, um, factoring in the two things you'll usually not find me leaving the house without is a flashlight of some small flashlight and a can of pepper spray these days on top of a firearm and an edge weapon. I mean, I kind of layer this stuff up, but for most people, particularly, like I said, my wife, my wife is queen of pepper spray at this point. I mean, she's like, you know, she has, uh, you know, she has t-shirts that say haggard crew on it. I'm wondering about her infatuation. Yeah. She's been through Chuck's instructor school now, I think two or three times. And cause she's a big avoidance person, you know, her thing is I'm, I'm perfectly happy not going to that fight. You know, the fight I win is the one I'm not in and pepper spray for, you know, typical, uh, you know, like people were talking about their daughters and stuff. 
yeah, you know, when you're five foot six or eight or something and a feet, you know, pepper spray is a pretty good thing to at least start with, you know? So I, I don't know. I, I, I get baffled by a lot of this stuff now that how, how, you know, why we're telling anybody that pepper spray is ineffective because they've sprayed a lot of cops and a lot of people and I've not found it to be ineffective. I, you know, I've had to fight a lot of people into handcuffs post pepper spraying them, but I had never had anybody who basically attacked me after getting pepper sprayed. The fight started when I went to have to put them in custody. But as far as just spraying them, that usually stopped everything right there. And the same week, the incident I had with my wife, working a uniform security gig at a big, you know, high-end charity event in downtown Dallas, man, I had a lunatic, absolute crazy lunatic, dude. And all I did is I pulled the can out, actually was physically sitting there shaking it up in front of him. And that dude was like, I want no part of this. So those two guys, I guarantee have been sprayed before and obviously didn't like it enough that the mere visual thing of I'm going to get sprayed right now, they went to go criminal elsewhere again you know it's a win for me i don't have to use any force great you know and you didn't have yeah you didn't have to use any force it was a win none none zero i don't even even understand how that could be how that could be criticized because it's the internet the internet's a happy place yeah well it's it's funny because uh it's almost like they turn off their critical thinking. It's, this is how it's supposed to be. It doesn't work. I heard somewhere it doesn't work. Okay. Forget whether blasting somebody with OC spray is going to put, drop them into a mess. It worked for Daryl. Cause as soon as the guy saw it, he took, he stopped doing what he was doing. So at the very least he thought it worked because he didn't want to get sprayed. And it, it's, it's amazing when you read that kind of stuff where you're like, did you not read what that said? He didn't have to punch him. He didn't have to choke him. He didn't have to stab him. He didn't have to shoot him. And the guy left as soon as he saw the pepper spray. And it's just this weird mindset and you know i think it's a I think it's a it's a vocal but i think it's a small portion um but they just tend to be a little bit more vocal out outside their actual numbers i think you know we have a uh internet world that's fascinated with shooting people yeah just fascinated with how to more efficiently quicker faster better shoot as many humanly possible things And, you know, when I sit there and I do my classes and I tell people, I go, okay, no matter what you do, you're going to commit one of two crimes. You're going to commit a homicide or you're going to commit an attempted homicide. Two of the most serious things in our penal code. And you're going to need to find a subsection in there that doesn't alleviate the crime you just committed. It is simply a justification for it. But the reality is having sat on the other side of that table a couple of times, the detectives sitting on the other side are there preparing a piece of paper going to a district attorney's office for the crime of homicide or attempted homicide. And I look at people, I go, do you guys think that's fun? Do, do you guys somehow not understand 
the gravity of what we're talking about, yet all we're doing is training to shoot more, faster, quicker, more people not using any level of assessment, problem solving, deterrence, avoidance, tactics, any of this other stuff. It's all about shoot, 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 more gun, more gun, more gun, better gun, better gun, more ammo, faster, faster, faster. And I'm like, knock yourself out. Cause you know, I'm to the point now where I'm like, figure it, you'll, you'll figure it out the hard way. Hopefully, you know, hopefully, you know, and you know, and I look at, I've been lucky. I was never sued. I was never in an out of policy shooting. I never, you know, had any issues, didn't have an attorney in any of my interviews. Um, not for reasons I really wanted it to be just how it ended up working out and was very successful. Most people don't have my experience. It's much worse. And I honestly don't glorify wanting to repeat that. Am I glad for the experience? Yeah. Cause I try to pass on to people. That's not a fun experience. You want to go to of basically getting a proctological examination with large tools. And, you know, I sit there and I go, you, most of you people have no idea for absolute real, what questions they ask you during those interrogations post shooting and what goes on in court and what goes on in depositions and stuff. And I go, you're going to come to account for all of this stuff. And I try to temper everything with, I want to have a very good explanation and a particular reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. That sounds reasonable, which is the standard in the United States. Second, anybody says rules of engagement to me. I know that they have no idea what the hell they're talking about because we don't have those here is that I need to be able to articulate to a jury of my peers, reasonableness and a jury of my peers is not you and Chris and Chuck and Cecil. That's not who's going to be on my jury. It's going to be a second grade 58 year old school teacher who doesn't understand this stuff. That's going to be the jury of your peers. Right. And you know, if you sit there and look at the public, what they tell people all the time is, you know, well, why didn't they just pepper spray them or Mason or something? Well, that's not a bad piece of advice because it is a societal expectation. You know, part of what Varg talks about that I appreciate because I used to train my guys. I took edge weapons training very, very seriously. I trained with the best guys in the world. I wrote police policy. We issued knives because of all this. I used to tell my guys, you you don't want to be the cop in America who stabs somebody to death and try to articulate why you're doing that. That's why we had policy and training on that kind of stuff to at least back that up to protect the officers. But the reality is, Man, that stuff doesn't fly real well. And we have all this training out there. Where we just go stab each other to death over, over bar fights. You know, I'm like, well, man, if a guy comes up and attacks me, I'm going to pull out my trusty whiz bang blade and, you know, start, you know, sticking them. Oh, that's going to fly. You know, two grown ass adult males. You know, that, that'll go well for you, you know, on the internet. Um, reality is not a, not a thing. And I think a lot of people need to put a lot more thought into what they're doing. And the, the people need to put a lot more thought when they're armed into where they're at. 
Because you know who you don't find in bars? Me. Because you know what guys who look like me happen when you start drinking in bars? Stupidity occurs. I was going to say a lot of women want to sit on your lap and tell you what they want for Christmas. Which is, you know, fine. It's, I, I do bad Santa pretty good. I usually tell their kids I'm who comes when you're naughty. That's right. You know, and, uh, but yeah, it, it's, you know, people don't take that with a level of seriousness. They get yep. themselves into stupidity problems over, you know, not really thinking this stuff out and the seriousness of it. Uh, when we're, we're when we're employing force, it's a very serious, very uh, high liability thing that we're doing anytime we apply any level of force to another human being. And it, it sort of becomes this sort of internet fantasy macho yep. TV version of everybody thinks they're John Wick. It's like, I, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't quite go that way. It only works for Keanu. I've, and I've worked movies with Keanu, who's a little tiny dude, you know, who's real nice, but, you know, it works for him in, in movies. It doesn't work for normies. So. Well, there's a, a, a concept that people are living, or it's that they're being a slave to unrealistic expectations versus living and having your options go around your lifestyle. Yeah, and there's, you know, and everybody wants to apply the, you know, whether it's me and Chuck and our fanny packs or goes are idiots carrying fanny packs. Okay. You know, cool. I got a full size service gun, spare ammunition, medical gear, flashlights, restraints, you know, in my fanny pack. What, what do you got? Well, I got a 20 round something or other in my enigma and my yoga pants. Okay, great. You know, cool. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, people bagging on Cecil over ankle holsters. Yeah. When you spend most of your life sitting down, you know, what, like, the most effective place you can be carrying is on an ankle. Cause God knows we don't sit in cars and at desks ever. You know, some people that's where you spend 90% of your time. So maybe addressing that is probably a good idea as to your reality. Instead of some dude on the internet telling you ankle holsters are stupid. I'm a cop and those are dumb. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. Um, I've been real lucky that really cool people like the cool people on the panel and other people let me hang around them. Um, and it's fascinating to me that all these guys legitimate been there, done that guys, guys who, you know, two way gunfights and well, you know, whatever cliche, um, you know, guys like Gary G, you know, uh, who <laughs> probably has. When Craig introduced me to him, he said, hey, Cecil, Gary's killed more people than the bubonic plague. So I'm like, oh, he's, he's probably done some stuff, you know, and all these, the vast majority of them are not the caricature of what people would say is the tactical gunfight dude. You know, I've been to dinner. We've gone to dinner with Daryl, Chuck. Chris met me for the first time. I met Chris face to face. We met for dinner at a Mexican restaurant and sat for three hours. We're not, we're not all, you know, war belt and body armor and all this kind of stuff, <laughs> but I was armed. Maybe not what, you know, the internet said I should be. I'm sure Chris was maybe not. He didn't have, you know, all his stuff, 
you know, but it doesn't matter when the better you are at recognizing violence, the better you are at decision making, the better you are at processing information and and all being able to do that in a realistic way, the gear becomes so secondary. All the guys who I, again, who the been there, done it guys, none of them ever talk about gear. None of them ever are like focused. They'll say, oh, did you see this new one? Or, oh yeah, I shot that gun. That was pretty cool. But it's not this obsessive, well, what trigger did you put in? I don't know, whatever, whatever trigger, you know? Um, yeah, they'll tweak it. You know, you get a Langdon gun or something like that because you know that's a high-end thing that that's geared for performance. But that's a specific thing, not just, oh, I'm going to piece these things together. Oh, I got to have this knife and and this uh, gun, you know, uh, holster, and I got to set it up like this, and I got to have the right kind of truck gun and all these kind of things. And I, I, I know very few legitimate people who ever spend three seconds talking about any of that kind of stuff. And I think it's, it's just because weird. it's boring. It's boring. I'd rather talk about concepts, <laughs> mindsets. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, but you, yeah, that's, I guess it's hard to do a YouTube video or an Instagram video on mindset or information processing. That's why podcasts don't get very many views. That's exactly why. Because it's not fun. It's not sexy. It's not exciting, but it's needed. Well, I'll tell you this. So, I mean, I got my YouTube channel and I'll put video. So everybody says, you got to put more stuff, you you know, to get more likes, you got to do this stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm going to put out stuff when I have time that I think matters. I'm not, I, I, I tell people, if you ever see me doing one of those videos where I'm driving down the road, and I and I'm talking to the camera and I put that up, shoot me because I'm done. But I so I've done all these videos and it's usually about specific stuff. Here's this or this or this. The most seen video that I ever put up, it's like, I don't know, over 100,000 views at this point was a video I put up talking about why I carry AIWB, not why everybody should but why I do and not from necessarily a pure shooting perspective, but just the way I saw it, man, you would think I was saying everybody should be a pedophile or something just, Oh, this and this. It's like, guys, you're missing. Same with the ankle holster thing. I sometimes I'm in the car for up to three or four hours a day. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, 
Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And then the rest of the time, I'm sitting at a desk. I'm sitting at the conference table at a client's. So I'm sitting a good chunk of the time. So that's why, for me, ankle carry makes a ton of sense. I don't say everybody else should. But again, that video, I don't know how many, 50,000 views. Just because I said something gear-related that people could all jump on, as opposed to, hey, here's this clinch technique that is really high percentage that I've taught to 13 year old girls and they pulled off on 200 pound guys. A thousand views. So you're right. It's just, it's, that's not fun. It's not interesting apparently, but let's talk about the, the dumb stuff that doesn't matter. That's fun, I guess. And, and going back again, where did I put it? Living versus being a slave to unrealistic expectations. Those unrealistic expectations are what sell. That marketing sells because people want to have an experience. They want to live this persona. They don't want to put it in the work for it. They don't want to train. They don't want to be effective with the tools they already have. No, we're, we're going to go buy something. As I say, in front of a wall of guns. Yeah. Well, it's okay. It's okay to like guns. But, you know, what's funny is um, because it got reflected recently when I was kind of doing some historical stuff about uh, some of the training splits and some of the stuff that happened back in SoCal in the 80s. And, you know, I used to train in uh, Mike Harry's group, Southern California Tactical Combat, where a lot of the it was the original break off kind of between the EPSIC people and the really, truly practical shooters. And I remember a guy, I will never forget him because he showed up to every match we had, which was basically being graded on problem solving. And he always carried a Colt uh, officer's model in a Sparks Inside the Waistband summer special. And that was it. He he was one of the few guys in, in LA County who had a CCW. Um, you know, it was very rare to have people who had an actual permit, his job required a certain level of dress. And that was his gun. That's not an easy gun to shoot either. By the way, a cold officer's model, lightweight officers is not a fun gun to shoot. Um, but it worked for his dress with that holster 
every day, all the time, and showed up to every match wearing it. And you know what? That's a scary dude. And he was a gunsight dude, so his draw stroke, everything was super clean. Uh, draw stroke reloads, everything. Wasn't the most high-speed stuff, but he was extremely clean and very consistent at it and could do all of this stuff at a subconscious level in his sleep for a regular old citizen. Now, you know, I was doing all the cool guy SWAT junk and cop stuff, so I'm showing up in war belts and all this other stuff. But I had more respect for that guy because I was like, someday when I'm retired, I want to be that dude because that dude is not to be met. That guy has got his stuff wired where he has his priorities, right? He's not showing up to win stuff. He's not showing up to beat everybody to game stuff. He's showing up and what he carries every single day. That is a very reasonable thing to carry every day that he doesn't have to gear up or gear down. It's a small enough gun. He can, kind of dress around it a little and it's not so small that it's kind of useless um and you know i i look back and i go god the, the the world needs more of that dude you know the world needs more of a of guys who just get really good with some simple stuff and you know are are, are exceptional with it and, you know, that's where I've tried to be on some of these sm snub revolvers and small stuff. So, you know, we'll see how it goes because it works for a certain lifestyle. But I think we need to ask Chuck questions. So <laughs> we're, we're all messaging on Facebook right now. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the, one of the things that I, I think people don't get uh, or they don't really think about is, um, you know, I've, I've gotten into a lot of internet drama over like my stance on pistol mounted lights. Uh, people, uh, what I hate is dogma yes. where people are like, Hey, you have to have a pistol mounted light yes. on your concealed carry pistol or now well, demonstrably that's untrue. And then, then people translate that to, well, you're just anti no, 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 I'm not. Um, I was using red dots in the eighties. Uh, I had an Armisen OEG at one point in my life. Uh, I had the very first initially available Surefire legacy lights uh, on, on my pistols as soon as I could lay hands on those. Uh, I was a SWAT guy in the day of when you had to use Daryl, remember when you had to use hose clamps and a uh, mag light to get a get to get a light on a gun on a long gun, you know, yep. uh, MP5s and ARs and things like that. So it's it's just a misapplication of what we're talking about. Um, and then then your mission, you know, like uh, what Cecil's talking about. Uh, he it, he might be in the office, but I know he also comes and goes from the dojo quite a bit. So that's a different level of travel, different level of uh, dress, you know, how, how you're, uh, what, what you're doing and how you're getting there and back. And then I swear uh, some dudes must never take a day off because, uh, <laughs> you know, I spent a lot of my life on duty and off with a, with a full size sighting, fighting pistol and two magazines and a backup gun. But every once in a while, you want to go uh, be someplace on a beach in shorts and flip flops, you know. I mean, you gotta you gotta have some downtime, uh, or 
you're just not going to be a functional human being or it, it, it's just, it's really impossible to be on that cutting edge at long. You know, one of the things, you know, put Chris on the spot, uh, all the, a lot of the special guys I know in special units, they had, uh, they still doing like the two year rotation thing where you'll be active and then they'll stick you in maybe in a training billet or something like that, give you some downtime so you don't burn out. And then you come back to it uh, for another couple of years, that kind of thing. Are they still rotating guys around like that? Uh, they're, they're supposed to be guys, guys fighting <laughs> the house with everything they've got. Um, I, I did it. I spent you know seven years on one ODA and, and avoided uh, going to be an instructor. And then when I was actually, when I found myself, finally stuck at the schoolhouse, I realized how much I needed the, uh, uh, I needed the downtime and it was time for a change. So yeah, they're, they're supposed to, and they do, uh, yeah, it all depends on individual leaders and how well they manage their guys. But yeah, you gotta, you, you gotta decompress sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, on a day-to-day basis, uh, you know, maybe you're going on a, you know, maybe I'm going to go hiking someplace where I might have a bear problem. Uh, so that's going to be one level, you know, what I'm going to carry, what I'm going to take with me. Uh, I have, I have the, the, I've had the luxury of being able to take a gun with me uh, when I was on a vacation in Puerto Rico, as an example, or whatever. Um, what I'm going to do when I'm, uh, you know, in flip-flops and shorts is significantly different than what I'm going to do on a day-to-day basis in my you know, what I can get away with in my own town. But even then, you know, if I'm going to dress up and go out to, to dinner and look nice or, you know, my day, uh, what, what Daryl alluded to is a lot of cops get away with dressing and looking like Belker from uh, Hill Street Blues, you know, uh, most days of the week. And uh, they think, well, you know, that no, that's that's totally that's really an abnormal subset of the society we live in when you think about it. So I have a fun little thing to present for us to quickly discuss. And this isn't anything telling people what they should be doing, what they need to be doing, but it's just something to consider. Um, one thing we discussed in uh, what is it? Uh, instructor cheat codes episode last night that we did with Riley Bowman, uh, the, the concept of understanding various perspectives of things and not to dig in your, dig your feet in or your heels in too far into a, a position, but better understand a position and have the ability to de- defend a, various positions. The idea of carrying alternative force options versus a spare mag. So my idea behind what what I'd like to discuss here are, why don't we go over what are the advantages of carrying a spare mag? What are the advantages of carrying some kind of an alternative pepper spray, alternative uh, force thing like pepper spray or something like that? Um, The reason I'm bringing this up is because on occasion I see this discussion and I don't think a lot of, I don't think everyone is thinking about this all the way through and they're not thinking of that probability versus possibility. Um, I can think of advantages to carrying either of them, and I'm going to make a determination as to which I'd carry if I can only do one based on what I'm what that mission is. So, Chris, if you were to weigh the two options, you can only carry a mag, a spare mag, or you can only carry pepper spray. What would be the pros and the cons of each? Okay, so um, the realistically. Uh, the, the advantage of carrying a spare magazine 
is if you if you have a magazine mal magazine induced malfunction uh, that isn't uh, sorted out by uh, tap roll rack or whatever uh, you know whatever nomenclature you want to use uh, then and you end up particularly th there are ways to train magazine malfunctions double feeds and such where you don't discard that uh, that magnets in the gun um, to where you don't need a second mag there are ways to clear that malfunction where you basically are going to drop that mag and let it fall and access your second mag that's realistically the benefit to a secondary mag um, the likelihood of me as a private citizen finding myself in a situation where 15 rounds or you know, uh, 10 to 15 rounds or 20 rounds, depending on how, how big of a gun I'm carrying, uh, doesn't solve the problem and bad guys keep coming after I've expended 10 or 15 or 20 rounds of what's probably pretty reasonably accurate pistol fire, man, I've probably made some pretty terrible life choices. I crossed and you're in a different company or country. country. Yeah, I drunkenly picked a fight with a cartel, something real crazy, right? Again. Uh, but, but what's going to happen at my local stop and rob or my local Walmart parking lot? Uh, if I can't solve that problem with the, the rounds that are in the gun, I'm probably not going to be able to solve it. On the flip side, um, the, the usefulness of not only alternate force options, but also just medical. If you have room to carry, you know, a tourniquet and a small little wallet, you know, wallet emergency med kit and pepper spray and a fixed blade knife and your folding knife for cutting open boxes and you want to carry four spare mags and you can go for it, right? No problem at all. But if you're having to make choices about belt space and pocket space, uh, carrying medical and some kind of less lethal, I, I would absolutely prioritize that over a spare mag. I had a buddy of mine the other day, we were, he, we were debating on Facebook Messenger over speed strips versus speed loaders for a snub gun. And I was like, frankly, man, I was like, I carry a speed strip, but as a private citizen, if I actually reloaded and fired consequential rounds out of my snubby in a gunfight, I'd probably be the only dude on record to have ever done so as a private citizen. Like reloading a revolver in a gunfight, like it's fun to talk about. He was like, yeah, I really like speed loaders. I'm like, cool, man, carry speed loaders. But don't carry speed loaders at the expense of a less lethal option or medical or something that's more likely to be useful and life-saving. Awesome. Chuck? Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree with Chris quite a bit. Uh, spare mag is, it didn't used to be that way and it wasn't the way I think, but uh, it has come to the point where uh, spare mag is probably of, of the list of gear I carry, one of the first things I, that I give up. Uh, I, I'm my own armor. I make sure my guns work and they work very, very robustly. Uh, and if we look at uh, prioritizing what our threats are going to be, things like that, um, you know, that, uh, so I'll throw out Tom Gibbons student experience with his, uh, uh, it's pushing 70 now where he's had, uh, the numbers would be 66, 67 wins and uh, no losses and three defaults. So what do we learn from that? The three defaults were people who were robbed and then homicided and they weren't carrying a gun, they couldn't do anything about it. So all the successful ones were carrying their gear. And in none of those, exactly none of them would, uh, was there any anybody that had to reload, that was forced to reload or needed to reload. So if we go back to one of my friends, kind of a mentor, uh, Keith Jones, that I know most of you guys, have maybe, maybe Daryl knows him, but I doubt anybody else has heard of the guy. Extraordinarily experienced, multiple gunfight veteran over in Indiana, a very large metro uh, area, uh, combat, Vietnam combat veteran as well. Uh, back in the revolver days in law enforcement, 
uh, he was pushing for the idea that they should get semi-auto pistols. This was back in the eighties. And then, uh, you know, the, the powers that be were very uh, hesitant to do that because, you know, law enforcement is often, you know, hundreds of years of tradition that's unimpeded by progress is uh, how it tends to work out. Uh, so uh, Keith decided what he was going to do was do this big study. What I'm going to do is I'm going to look at our gunfights and I'm going to find all these guys that got killed. And then we, we need high capacity semi-autos and that's going to prove my point. So he went back 20 years. He had 198 police officer involved gunfights in his jurisdiction. And this was in the six shooter days. And in all of those, there was one dude that reloaded. One dude. Uh, and this is, uh, you know, what mission are we talking about? It, this was a uh, uniform cops uh, getting into stuff. And when you look at what's going on, I know we got some bad stuff, like all the riots and things last year, but man, the late sixties and early seventies was really bad. It was really bad with some of the stuff that was going on and with what cops were finding themselves dealing with. And in 198 gunfights, one dude reloaded. He didn't actually fire any shots past that point, but he reloaded. Um, Tom Gibbons famously says the number one cause of needing to reload is missing. So I work on uh, a very efficient draw and getting my hits and getting my hits as quickly as I can. And reloading is a range artifice that it, that's what it's come down to in my training is reloading is a range artifice that I do so that I can do some more shooting on the stuff that I think is really important. Wonderful input. Cecil? Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, that's my i think the the main reason for the spare mag is going to be for those malfunctions the if you look at because everyone's talking about videos right oh, what we see in videos and all that kind of stuff okay cool what do we see in videos when guys go through fire a lot of rounds why well number one because they're not aiming or they have a horrible trigger snatch or both and more likely they didn't know how to see what was going on they're way, way behind the curve. They're, they're now it's just that complete panic reaction. Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening to me. Boom, 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 boom. That's okay. So you want to fix that. All right, we'll carry three max or don't do that. Hey, make sure you, number one, you've got skill with the weapon you want to run. All right. I run revolvers, uh, not all the time. I mean, I run the snub all the time, but on occasion, I'll throw in, you know, my my model 60, my uh, two and three quarter inch model 66 and run that. Uh, my two inch model 10, I might run that. But you know what? I spent time figuring out, making sure that I can put the rounds where they're supposed to go. Um, and then you get the either experience or training or both to figure out what violence looks like, knowing you can process information, knowing that you've already not, not preset because that's that's the wrong connotation, but you kind of game stuff out. Hey, what if I walked into this gas and sip right now? This would happen. I mean, um, my son was running a retail store and got robbed 
And he came home and came up right up to me and said, dad, it was exactly like you said, everything went exactly. And he thought, all I did was just react. Like you said, just, you know, this guy just give him everything. No big deal. So it's already planted. That's not the first time it's crossed your brain. So then you can do these things because really all the tools, regardless of what the tools are, they're all just a way to help you solve this problem. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. But you have to, the brain is doing the work. All right, cool. You got a bigger gun, easier shoot, red dot, more, you know, more ammo. Great. All right. No, I got a, I got a five shot snub. All right. Well, cool. That means I have to do this or, oh, I'm in California. So I'm not, I don't have a gun on me because I'm a private citizen. So I've got a folding knife and uh, a handheld light. Okay. How do I solve problems like that? And you think about these things ahead of time. So, all right, cool. You want to carry a spare mag? Sure. I, I, you know, again, what you know, what we need in the community is more nuance and less dogma on stuff, right? So, you want to carry it? Cool. That's if you've thought about <laughs> it and you and you've you've made this decision. Cool. But then, if somebody else says, you know what? I'm going to put more time into making sure I hit what I shoot at. That I'm aware of what's going on. That I've you know, game plan, you know, the plausible things that could happen to me. And I have the gear and I think it would be better if I carried OC spray or I had a knife or like me, I'm in Arizona. So I like carrying a sap a lot of times because I think it's fairly useful, but I can, 
And, but I've thought about it and I've trained with it. So you can do either, or I don't, I don't care. There's like you said, there's pros and cons of both. Just make your decision based on what you think you are going to be best at. You know, if you go, if you take, if you go to shooting courses, you know, you could train with, you know, Pannone and, and Ernest Langdon and, and, you know, everybody else. And you find yourself not being as good a shooter or your guns giving you problems or whatever. Okay, cool. You might want to, you know, carry more spare max. That, awesome. But if you, like Chuck said, you be your own armorer, you, you, you inspect the ammo that's your carry ammo. You make sure your mags, you're not dumping them in the dirt all the time. You're not kicking them around. The guns maintain all that kind of stuff. Probably you'll be okay, but it's not for me to say, you know, there's, there's good on, on both. I like I, myself. I like the ability to do more, you know, Daryl's situation was like the picture perfect example. If all he had was a gun, he's either going hands-on or he's shooting the guy. All right, cool. But what out, what about the other stuff too? Anyway, so these guys great are stuff. better at this than I am. So no, no great stuff. Matter of fact, um, you brought up alternative weapons, non-firearms. That in itself can be its that should be its own modcast with you guys. Uh, I think that would be a really good discussion. We discussed something along those lines years ago when we were talking about traveling overseas and having options. But I think that that would be a, a fantastic op or a fantastic uh, episode. Daryl? Um, with a semi-automatic pistol, I usually always have a additional magazine and it goes back to semi-automatic pistols require the magazine to be effective, period. Um, no mag, no Maggie and gun, no gun, no work. It's, you know, it's a single shot without a magazine. Uh, most of the problems you're ever going to have with that pistol um, they are not nearly as reliable in actual shootings, for example, as a revolver in actual shootings, not in a training environment. If you shoot them out of, out of, uh, in space, not locked up, not good lock, things get in the way of them. Uh, like I tell people inside of a car revolver all day, every day without question, because just watch all the videos of how many guys normally reliable Glocks are malfunctioning inside of cars. So to me, the spare magazine is more of a fix for the malfunction or problem I'm likely to have with a semi-auto. And I'm big on doing reloads with retention because I'm trying to reset the gun for another fight as a post-fight thing before I start holstering up. So I like the idea with a semi-automatic is I'll always kind of throw a mag with it. With my stubs, I usually have one speed strip. Um, again, particularly with the little guns, it's not like I expect to be reloading in a fight, but if when I'm running somewhere or I'm back in my vehicle, or I'm trying not to have a riot or get killed post shooting at the shooting scene, when you just smoke the neighborhood dope dealing hero, um, the ability to get the gun reset for another fight. I like that idea. So I usually have at least one reload for my primary and my secondary, um, but they tend to be small. I mean, like I said, I usually carry one reload for my pistol and I carry one speed strip for the revolver. Um, for me, it's become critical with a pepper spray. Now, because I'm high level responder, more likely to get involved in stuff, trained, da, 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 
that mag is important to me by the same token for my wife, who is going to do everything she can to not be in that fight. But she will always take the pepper spray over the spare mag because as a female, the two things most likely that are going to be an attack on her are going to be an attempted robbery, attempted sexual assault, period. Those are going to be the two most likely things where she is going to be attacked versus her going to somebody else's problem. And she will always take the pepper over a magazine. And that's often the decision made based on her size and style of dress and lifestyle. It's usually um, a pistol and OC spray um, or a revolver and OC spray, depending on what the situation is. Um, so again, we have a little bit in our own home, a little bit of a different lifestyle, different expectations, different mission. Um, and that pretty much answers the question for her, a small, uh, firearm that she can conceal and a pepper spray is critical. And in all honesty, I, I can almost guarantee she'd almost take the pepper spray over the pistol at this point. Um, for me, it's a little bit different because of what response I'm going to probably react and how I've been trained. So, you know, the other thing, the revolver days, they pounded into our heads in the revolver days. If you have to reload, you're going to die. You have to get it done in six period. That's how we trained is you have a six round gun and we can do all the reloading stuff, but if you have to reload, you're going to die. So the emphasis back then was completely different than it is now where, you know, it's like, go ahead, run the thing out of me. I'm going to watch how fast you can do an out of battery speed reload. It's like, okay, you know, there's, there's the most useless skill that we spend an inordinate amount of time on is out of battery speed reloads. It, it, you know, if we're talking about should you even carry a magazine, but how much time are people devoting to the out of battery speed reload? possibility versus probability with, with, with carrying a 20 round magazine. And that's what they're worried about. Where to me, again, uh, it's more to me about a malfunction clearance. Um, that's far more likely to happen or reload with retention. And, you know, I, I, I get in this battle with like the tack reloads all the time and the reload. Well, you know, I carry a Glock, whatever with a dumpy mags or, or these days, I shouldn't even say the G word. I carry a staccato with, you know, whatever, and all of this stuff. And, you know, so I don't ever need to do attack reload. And I'm looking at these people going, so why are they selling, who are they selling all these shields and Glock 43s to? I don't know who's buying those. Cause it seems like all the people I know seems to be when I really run into them for reels, they're carrying like Glock 43s and shields that don't have much more ammo capacity than my 327 fed mag LCR in all honesty. I mean, but okay, you know, you won't ever need to do that. So, um, kind of, I like the idea of, uh, you know, I have this sort of thing from working a lot of shootings. If it hits the ground, it's done. It's not yours anymore. I like the idea of being able to retain, uh, evidence on me if I can. And like I said, I like the idea of resetting the firearm up before I holster for another fight as opposed to getting in the habit of reholstering things that I don't know how many rounds are left in it or a two round gun or whatever. So, um, but I think for most people, the, uh, alternative force thing for 90, for most of the population is a better choice than, uh, additional ammo. And I think for some of us who've spent our whole life 
kind of to go into other people's emergencies. Um, the spare mag is probably a pretty good, uh, option to that. So, and again, you know, like my wife and I just the size and appearance difference for her, the pepper spray is far more important than it is for me, you know, just based on a level of training and expectations. Um, you know, the chances of me getting sexually assaulted are pretty low in today's world, but you know, I'm not that appealing to most people. Unlike Cecil, who's got a YouTube channel where he has a lot of likes. See, I don't have a YouTube because I don't want anybody to like me. How am I doing? <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's where I am. Like I said to me, it's a malfunction clearance tool more than anything else. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, I think we have now reached a point where Chuck is going to turn into a pumpkin. Before we close, though, before these guys tell you this information I'm going to ask them to provide, make sure you're supporting the sources that you found to be beneficial. As these guys tell you where they can be found, give them a like, give them, subscri give them a subscribe, share their stuff. If you found this stuff to be insightful, share it. That stuff is currency on social media. Same with primary and secondary. Uh, again, I have to thank the one person that gives us about the seven thumbs down per episode and they all get deleted because it's the one person. Um, yeah. Clicks and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's currency. Make sure you're liking, make sure you're subscribed, make sure you're sharing. If you found this to be beneficial, this episode, make sure you're sharing it with people. Uh, there were a lot of uncomfortable truths shared there are a lot of Jimmy's wrestled. I know this already, uh, considering some of the last podcasts we have where we've talked about similar uh, topics. That being said, there's still a lot of truth. And if you don't like it, maybe you might want to do a little bit more study. You might want to do a little bit more research. Um, yeah, this was, this was a great discussion. I loved it. Um, so let's, let's pick on Chris real quick. Chris, where can people find you? online classes, all that kind of stuff. So you can, you can check out citizens fence research on, uh, we've got a Facebook page where we get most of our traffic. We've got uh, citizensfencesearch.com, uh, which, which Melody Lauer is actually in the process of revamping and constructing right now, but you can find links there to our Facebook and to our Eventbrite page where you can find our uh, remaining 2022 classes or 2021 classes and our 2022 classes will be going up soon. I also have a, a blog called amplifiedbeing.com where I write my thoughts on not just applied violence, but everything from, uh, I don't know, I may do something on, on uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and comic book movies coming up. We'll see. So that's where you can find me. And Dune, because that's big right now. Oh yeah, so hot right now. Yeah, and vegetables. Oh hey, you know what? Everybody's watching Dune. You need to get on Amazon Prime and, and see a movie called Old Henry. It's a western and it's an oh absolute my god. Check it out. Actually, I think I'm going to do that tonight. Do it. I, I watched the Val Kilmer uh, thing last night, which was really good. Um, and prior to that, I saw all of Ted Lasso, which was also really good. But yeah, Chuck, as you fall asleep. Uh, it's going to be happening pretty soon because I'm going to be getting up in a few hours again. Uh, so uh, my website's uh, Agile, uh, or my company's Agile Training and Consulting. Uh, Agile Training was already uh, taken, so uh, I'm stuck with AgileTactical.com because that's what the uh, you know the domain name gods will give me. 
uh, I'm, uh, you know, on, on primary and secondary quite a bit. I got a Facebook page, I got an Instagram page under my own name, but, uh, I'm, I just was yesterday updating my calendar, did a lot of training this year, um, with everybody here, uh, on, on this, uh, on the screen right here, which is very cool. And uh, looks like next year's shaping up to to have some demand as well. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, but yeah, agiletactical.com is my uh, is my website. Cecil. Uh, so my brand is Immediate Action Combatives. So my website's iacombatives.com, and then I have a Facebook page. And an Instagram page, all immediate action combatives. My YouTube channel is immediate action combatives because I'm not that clever. So once I come up with one name, I'm just going to call everything that. Um, I've been a little quiet on social media and doing my stuff the last I don't know, two months because I got, you know, sometimes the real world takes precedence over the internet world. So kind of quiet. Um, hopefully I'll get back to blogging and putting videos up and stuff as soon as I can. Um, but I try to, I only try to put up stuff that actually, you know, is worthwhile, you know, not just the meanderings of a crazy person. Um, and so my, my 2022 schedule should be up, oh, knock on wood by, uh, and like Thanksgiving. I'm open. On exactly Thanksgiving at six o'clock when everyone's eating Turkey, the schedule will be up. No, maybe Sunday. Maybe the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Daryl? Uh, DB Shooting Adventures for my personal, you know, historical revolver junk and my thoughts on some of these subjects, like totally non-political, just if you want some good historical neat stuff. Um, hardware Tactical Shooting on the business side on Facebook. Um, we honestly really have a real computer person who's rebuilding our website. It'll be offshore. Uh, the actual hardwired website is like selling Cialis or something. Now it's not really even ours anymore. Um, the uh, upcoming big one is revolver roundup, the Pat Rogers Memorial revolver roundup at gunsight uh, weekend before Thanksgiving. Uh, Chuck will be out there teaching Cecil will be there. Uh, we got a great group of instructors who are all people who have lived with revolvers for real. Um, the venue is set up for a ton of people because we outgrew it in Dallas. Um, there's still openings. Uh, we have plenty of room still. So um, if you want to get in on that, that's a good time. It's a, I think it's a smoking deal for gun sight. Um, yeah. The uh, let's see, I'm doing co-teaching with Chuck and Cecil again a couple times next year on this class we've come up with on this sort of intermingling of things uh and at the summit doing a and at the summit we're going to do it again and i'm doing uh been doing a lot of shotgun lately so that's kind of cool uh, i got one coming up in jones oklahoma i'm doing my gunfighter lecture in jones as well the day before it's the law enforcement variant of it which is a little different um and uh yeah just Kind of follow us on Facebook on Hardwire Tactical Shooting for classes and uh, DB Shooting Adventures for uh, general DB rants on various stuff of the internet world and historical stuff for blue steel and wood grips and real guns. So that's about it. Awesome. Awesome discussion. Thank you guys for 
for being here for this. Uh, I think this is going to be another one of those episodes that uh, people are going to hate because it's truthful. That's just the way I'm it on it. Because <laughs> Daryl's here. Um, Good Daryl's here. Bad Santa's here. So I, I think we're going to probably need to keep the food discussion at the beginning as part of this episode as well, because that's just good stuff. Um, big thanks to our sponsors. Big thanks to Big Tech's Ordnance, Filster, Primary Arms, Staccato, Walther, and also those of you that have chosen to be Patreon subscribers. Thank you. Uh, without your support, we wouldn't be able to do all this kind of stuff. We have 736 different groups on Meta. Is that the new name for Facebook? I don't know. That's goofy. Yeah. Uh, we have a forum. We have a website. We have YouTube. We have, uh, we have two separate podcasts. We have Modcast. And then we also have Instructor Cheat Codes. Instructor Cheat Codes is myself, some random guy by the name of Evan, some random girl by the name of Tessa. And we are interviewing one instructor per episode. And we're finding out what makes them tick. I get a lot of, I get a lot of messages from people asking, Hey, I want to be an instructor. Where do I start? It's not cut and dry. There's not a black and white answer to it. So I figured, you know what? I'm connected to a lot of these guys. These are all my friends. Why don't we talk to them about how they became instructors? What inspires them? What makes them unique? And uh, they've been really, really good discussions. It's been so cool. All the panelists that were on tonight will be guests on ICC. It's going to be awesome. Um, the episodes have been running about two hours each too, but just wonderful conversation. Wonderful people are involved. I'm excited about that project. So yeah, we got two podcasts going simultaneously and yeah, just to be able to provide this kind of, this qual this level of quality information is just for me, very exciting because it's able to help people. And that is the bottom line with primary and secondary. So if you do choose to help support primary and secondary, it is on Patreon. Uh, patreon.com slash primary and secondary. Uh, that support is greatly appreciated. That support also helps pay for the training summit, which is happening in May. I want to say the 20th will be day zero, where basically we have, you can zero out your gun. We also are going to have some special uh, lectures. Um, and then 24 second, third, we will have the actual classes. And I'm kind of, kind of interested to see how it works with this, with these new, uh, with this, these new dates versus having them in September. We're doing it in May. We also have changed up the roster slightly where the topics are going to be just slightly different from what we've done in the past. We're including shotgun stuff as well. Um, it's going to be cool. I'm looking forward to it. So that is all. Um, yeah. If you haven't given a like yet, it's time because I'm going to end the episode now. So we'll talk to you guys later. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.